time ago in a galaxy far far away the children of the watch and the mandalorian privateers have finally united under one banner and one goal to take back their home world but something dark is lurking in the shadows underneath mandalore someone whom they thought they defeated someone whom they wished to never see again has taken their home and made it his own the Ma will the Mandalorians survive? Will they retake their home? These answers shall be answered in this totally mid-season finale of The Mandalorian. Oh he, God, he did it. Yep. Oh, the yeah. son of a bitch, he did it. We're back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have thoughts. I have feelings. I am Ben Magna, the Fake Nerd Podcast. This is Fake Nerd's Watch. The final two episodes of The Mandalorian, or season three of Mandalorian, alongside me are my fellow Mandalorians, Brandon T. McClure. Brandon, this is the way. This is the way. And of course, Sparks Witty, this is the way. Just 10,000 views. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and of course, Ryan, you traitorous son of a bitch. It was me. I'm the traitor. Will I show up in the next season's finale like I had the previous two? Only we will find out. Are you the spy? Are we the spies? We're the I, spies? I, know. I just had to I just had to pick someone. I'm sorry, Ryan. I had to pick you. Yo, Gideon's a cool dude. I will be Gideon. <laughs> maybe the real spies are the theories we had along the way. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. I was um, literally about to say the same thing. <laughs> Yo, um, I have oh, I have thoughts so, and feelings, my friends. So hello everyone. We're here to talk about The Mandalorian season three, uh, two-part finale, episode seven and episode eight. Episode seven titled The Spies, written by John Favreau and Dave Filoni. And The Return, written by John Favreau. Both episodes are directed by Rick Famuyiwa. Mm -hmm. so let's get into it ben coming out swinging with that mid yeah um ten thousand views one more time uh and and when i say mid i actually am using it in its correct context that it it wasn't bad it wasn't phenomenal it was just it's there like truly if there was a pat just a barely passing grade for a show i feel like this is one of them you guys might convince me otherwise but i will not lie at the end of the season i mean i was happy at what happened at the end of the, of the very end we'll get to that eventually but all in all i felt very underwhelmed and kind of disappointed yeah. especially yeah. after episode seven because dear lord i had high hopes after episode seven i mean we'll talk about episode seven but i i have never been happier that to have not been able to record an episode when we thought we wanted to we because we, we were i'm hot. so glad we are a podcast unlike podcasts i love who don't have egg on their face from getting on and theorizing about what would happen in the next episode and being completely wrong but that's that is the fun of it oh no it it, it yeah. is it is but like yeah. part of the thing i'm glad of, we didn't get swept up in it yeah part of what i really liked about our wandavision um uh, Figner's Watch series was that we were able to have those discussions and those theory and those theories every week, and I I always found value in in that, and so that's kind of kind of where I where I where I was there. But for this one, I was kind of like, yeah, no, okay. But real quickly, I watched both of them today, so like I still so like I had pretty low expectations going into the family because i kind of saw the reaction i was avoiding spoilers this time uh because i didn't really want to i didn't want to know exactly what had happened 
but so I kind of saw the reaction though of like people being like, oh, well, you know, uh, so I was like, okay, well, it's fine. So I actually really enjoyed these two episodes. Uh, episode seven is great. And episode eight, honestly, is all right. I had a good time. Yeah, I I love episode seven. I think it's I think it's I think it's awesome. I also love episode seven. Um, I stewing on it. I it's more like I'm not mad. I'm disappointed with episode eight. Like, I think I think it's I think the action's incredible. It is mostly mm-hmm. an action packed episode that I think is some of the best action in the Mandalorian. It's mm-hmm. all there's a lot of great just dudes fighting each other in space on the ground. Uh, a lot of great shit happening there. The problem I have with it is all of the all the storylines that that we were building to. It kind of just feels like this is the finale. We just got to wrap it up. We're not going to we don't want to add any more drama to it. Any character arcs we might have been exploring, they're not there anymore. All the Mandalorians are just together. Don't worry about the armor. Armor Is she good? Is she bad? Doesn't really even matter at this point. Uh, forget anything you were even thinking about her. Uh, so it just feels like everything that happened in this finale is what I would want to have happened. Like, I wanted all the Mandalorians to be together, helmets and helmets off. Like, that's what I wanted. I wanted them to stop worrying so much about the Darksaber type of thing. I didn't know it was going to get destroyed. But, like, I'm fine with that. Like, all the story points... Where they got to, I really I like. But how we got there, I'm just like, why did we do it this way? It like, is- and I and I'm not. We bring up Andor a lot with other Star Wars shows, but I don't bring up. I'm bringing up Andor now, not in terms of just because it's really good. It's just like that's a show where they care about every little detail. Every character has a name. I don't know any of the names of the characters of of the uh, of the mm-hmm. Mandalorians who are on the surface. Like they don't have names. Those are just dudes. Those are just dudes, right? Like I don't know half of these Mandalorians. They're all just dudes can cosplay like. It's just like, I just don't feel like they put the attention where I needed it. Uh, episode seven did a lot for me. And I thought we were going to get another episode like that. And we did it. We just did it. Um, it felt kind of like, all right, finale time, 30 minutes in and out. May, may I then? Yeah. Um, piggybacking off what Ryan's saying, I think that the the problem for me with these episodes, specifically episode eight, let's be honest, but like these episodes is the same problem I think the whole season's had which is ideas are the ideas I want in the show, but the execution of them has been really off in a way where like, and I've combated this feeling a lot because I like the hosts at Ringerverse who talk about the Mandalorian and they, they admitted that they were doing the same of like challenging themselves about were my expectations a problem, something that Ken Napsok and Joseph Scrimshaw over on Force Center do all the time yeah. with the Star Wars shows is like trying to like, embrace what the show is giving you and i specifically wanted to listen to them today because like their their talk about embracing like spoiler culture and like theorizing it's like allowing a show just to be a show sometimes and like specifically what we do like it was very i thought it was a good listen i think an important thing that they always point out about what they do because they are so steeped in star wars and the way they go about the show over on force center ken knapsack friend of the show like does a wonderful job at what he does which is that they openly talk about that they watch the episodes twice every time and the first time they have certain reactions and the second time they kind of try to let the show guide them a bit more because they know where it's going and just see what like what is star wars about this what am i resonating with about this what is what is working for me about this and like let go of some of the first impression stuff and like they'll talk about how like yeah the first time this didn't really rub me the right way but then i started thinking about it this way and that kind of thing and like they do an amount that i can't do with for this show cuz i'm just not there mm-hmm. But I do think it's a good point. But even putting that aside, (sighs) embracing what the season is telling me the season is about is fine. I don't agree that what this season is saying it's about then is what the rest of the show had been about before. 
mm-hmm. it's a change. Yes. And like that is that is where it rubs me the wrong way. I think it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. It's like it's fine for you to like look at the season as a whole and say, like, it's doing this. This is the story it's telling. These are the ideas and the themes is about Bo Katan overcoming this idea that she can't be good enough and like Din being key to that and that it's more about who she is and not about carrying the dark saber and her being able to put that like and the Mandalorians coming together and the, they're stronger together than they are alone and how that's represented in parallels of certain things that happen and I'm like yes all that is here that is what this season has going for it but those things are happening around things that are actively working against the story the show was saying was happening in seasons one and two and mm-hmm. book of boba fett uh book just, of boba fett is super important because like we forget like like we watched like i know you watched it but like without re-watching it like there is integral important mandalorian stuff in those ep- boba fett episodes like with the armor and din and i'm just like man again like having half that season be a mandalorian season was such a mistake man. and so like like foundational belief is expressed by the armor about who Bo-Katan is and who the other Mandalorians are by proxy. And the fact that that is just kind of dropped this season and like just unceremoniously like it's not a problem anymore. There's no conflict. I don't mind that we get to the to the like end point that we get to. It's the way we got here that I'm like this didn't fulfill what I felt like the show was saying yes. was the central conflict for these Mandalorians up to this point. So you were talking about, um, I think before we recorded a, a Base Run Arcade episode that's about to come out, um, I had asked you what you thought of the finale, and you said it was a great series finale. And I and so you said, take that how you will. And I think what's really fascinating about this finale to me is that it does operate like they have a they have a new direction in mind that they didn't have when they started the show. And they decided to end the direction that they were going in in favor of something else. And I don't think that was the right move. And if you wanted to do that, maybe you should have done it in season four and spread out what this was through another season. That's kind of the issue that you have with such truncated seasons, right? You have larger budgets, smaller episodes, uh, uh, shorter seasons. Um, we, we used to have 22 episode seasons. Now we have eight. And because of that, you don't really have a lot of real estate to do anything like that. So as this 22 episodes, I would have felt much different, I think, because you have the real estate to kind of do more with, to do more with the story and things like that, but you don't have that real estate anymore. So you shouldn't focus on it as one season you needed to bring into the next one. So if I'm being just because I, I want to get to this point, but like this is talking about like the season in whole. I do want to get into the microcosms of these episodes. And then we can talk about like where did the season end up? But um, what you're saying is something I, I was feeling a lot, too, where I'm like, I think a season three and four of what is going on here spread out uh, and deepened is the right path. But even if I'm being critical and being like, for some reason, they had to do it in this season. They didn't even use the real estate of this season well to tell that story. True. And that's, that's where point. my problem really shows up because like I'm a person who really does enjoy what the Pershing episode was doing. However, I do not think that it was useful in a season that clearly needed more focus in other places. Like it would I like the idea of what it's saying, but like let's be honest, other than the point of bringing up in relation to the story that we're given this season that Kane is still working for Gideon and she uh uh, betrays Pershing and giving us some more insight into how these former Imperials are treated by the New Republic. It it's a lot of forty minutes of 
not doing anything that's moving like I don't want to say like moving the story forward, but it's not deepening what the story is actually about, which is about these Mandalorians. It's yes. deepening this exterior story that doesn't come back around in this show. Like it's not important. Ooh, nothing bothers me more than the fact that like whatever Kane was getting the doctor to do, it didn't even matter. It wasn't important. It never came up. It yeah. never came up. Yeah. It was never important. And that was what my fear on. was watching that episode. I'm going like, and, and unfortunately. Well, and like, yeah. and like, I have a really big problem that like, other people have not had a big problem with um, so many new Republic people just being like, yeah, Kane, that's fine. And I'm like, hold on. That is a whole different conversation than saying like former Imperials who are in the amnesty program are still working for the empire. You are telling me that new Republic employers and workers are also in on this. Yeah. And I'm assuming, I guess, just for Gideon, not for the other guys, or are they for the other guys? We don't know. I don't know. And it's a big problem to me that that's not expanded on. Well, I want to go into that, but in Georgia, that we got to start talking about the episodes individually. Do we, do we mind if we start doing that? No, go ahead. Let's talk about fire. So episode seven, right? right? Seven, the spies. Great episode. Like frankly, blew my mind. Um, Maybe wrongly titled. Yeah, yeah. No, I would until the, the Bible shit, the Bible stuff. I agree. The Bible stuff. Here's the thing: I agree 100 with Joanna Robinson of uh, The Ringer, which is like until John Favreau or Dave Filoni comes out and says this is why it was called The Spies is because it's a Bible reference. Yeah. I do not buy that. It has never been in the naming convention of the Mandalorian episodes. Oh, I, I have know. always What's been the... very clear. I'm simply bringing up the thing. No, that... no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree 100. That it's like, no, that's not how we do the titles. Like, even Ken Napsok did a great job of acknowledging that, like, maybe it should have been called The Spies. You know, pr like, parentheses, you know, The Bible. The Bible. <laughs> um, I don't know the, the joke. Or the real quick, person. real quick. Like, there's a lot of, and I think this is a valid thing. I've wanted to bring it up before, but honestly, we've done this season very infrequently. So I haven't had a lot of chance to. But there's a lot of pretty good um, Jewish representation being done with the Mandalorians in a biblical sense, like what their journey is, how they're fractured into their separate groups. A lot of people have done a lot of discussions that you can find on the internet about how there's a lot of parallelism going on with Jewish representation for the Mandalorians. I think that's all great. So specifically what people are saying is that the spies is actually a reference to the 12 spies who are Israelite chieftains from the 12 tribes sent to scout the promised land by Moses. Mandalore. Much as Bo-Katan is uniting these Mandalorians to go scout Mandalore. And that's what the reference is because it's deepening mm. that idea of that Jewish representation. None of these titles have ever been that deep before. But none of them have ever done that before. The so Jedi I is about a Jedi. <laughs> so I don't buy that. They're in, in that context, Ben, they're called spies, but they are essentially scouts, yeah. which is what they are here. Right? Okay. So if this episode yeah. had been called The Scouts, I'd be like, completely get it. Yeah. But that's because not what it's There's 12 of them. It's only one spy, and she only shows up for the first 10 minutes. No, nope, not people, even that. People also saying maybe the Shadow Council counts as spies, but like those are all just bad guys. They're not, they're they're not double cross. They're just bad guys. Yeah. Uh, Props with that name aside, the episode itself, the contents of the episode were phenomenal. The revelations that we got on how Bo-Katan lost the Darksaber, I thought were really good. Um, and essentially to find out that Mandalorians have been surviving on the surface. They've just been barely eking out a living. I, or living. I'm like, that's actually, that's actually really cool. The Empire's been lying to the galaxy for years. I love that. Yeah. So I, I want to focus, though, on the beginning of the, um, of the episode real quickly, because I really like, more than anything, the reveal of the Shadow Council. Um, uh, I do really like Kane kind of, um, being, you know, being like, oh, pirate captain Gorian shard didn't get an emoji. Still pissed about that. Um, rude, right? Um, and, uh, 
you know, was sent to Navarro and that's why she was trying to kind of that, you know, the, some of my favorite stuff of the previous episode um, where, where she was trying to convince the Republic not to interfere with Navarro. Um, yeah. Cool. But the shadow council is incredible because I love the reveal of something that we kind of knew was happening in the background, which is that what the new Republic, what the new Republic thinks are just random warlords still that controlling system are actually unified front. Um, and they're lying to, and they're lying to the galaxy about it. They're, they're, they're pulling a rebel Alliance on the rebel Alliance. Yes. But, my, but my favorite thing about it in this reveal for the shadow council is that this is really what I wanted, which is that nobody's really on board with the same plan. Yes. We're all still bad like, guys working like for each specifically, other. Specifically, like just the context we have, because we don't know as much about some of the others. We know there are three. There's Gideon's plan, there's Thrawn's plan, and then there's Palpatine's plan. Yes. And, and I really love that because like you can kind of contextually see like Gideon's plan will fail and Thrawn's plan will likely fail. And then Palpatine's is going to become the one they rely on. Yeah. Ultimately. yeah. And I really like using Hux's dad, a uh, great callback um, as Brendel Hux, right? Yeah. yeah, Brendel Hunt. Uh, um, as that Project Necromancer head. Uh, you know, he's heading up Project Necromancer. And and Gideon has this moment where he says, cloning is your thing, which means that he he killed Pershing to 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 thwart Brendel Hux as uh, Project Necromancer. He, he's like, your plan's not, I'm going to make sure your plan doesn't work. That's actually not entirely my read on it. What I thought he yeah. did is that he wiped Pershing's brain to not say anything about Gideon's plan. Because Gideon was using Gideon. him to make his clone. Yeah, because Gideon. So the way I so so just kind of back up my reading about it. I, I not invalidating yours um, is is because like I really like the idea because Gideon says to Brendel, you know, cloning is your obsession, not mine. But we see that he's been trying to clone people himself. Now we know it's himself uh, since season one. Um, and I really I really like that kind of like you'd he's keeping his plan to himself whatever right. his plan is he doesn't want the others to know about it exactly yeah 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 um, um i really i really like that yeah um as someone who is currently uh enthroned with so much thrawn content um seeing my boy captain pelion who is thrawn's number one guy maybe the like the coolest isn't the right word but like the dopest just like number one you know like bad guys always have like their number one lieutenant guy this dude he's so chill he's so cool uh what i love about thrawn even though he's not in this episode but his guy is here thrawn is a dude who loves other people's ideas so like thrawn will be like yes i'm gonna do something very evil and pelion just like thrawn what if you did it this way worse and he's like thank you pelion that's why i love you it's just great and just like this is a guy who has created like when we were like infants or ba like 1991, right? So like this character is now in live action like 30 years later. That's just like, it's just so cool. It's just great. I didn't expect to hear when I saw him, when I saw him, um, like I, I had no, I know who he was when I watched the episode because I kind of saw the spoiler of who, of who he's meant to be. But I, w I didn't see like the conversation of the Shadow Council. Mm -hmm. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's right. That's Thrawn's guy. We're probably not going to, hear Thrawn's name and then he's like when Grand Admiral Thrawn returns I'm like oh we're just doing this now cool yeah, no 100% and I and again like this conversation what I love about this episode is like it's not just like fan service like it is propelling the story forward in a fun way and it's like yeah. it's enriching everything about like the Snoke stuff and like all that Palpatine stuff that people don't like it's just really it's just it's that uh, Filoni touch it's that Filoni touch that this yeah. season might have been missing and one of the thing, one, one, one last thing I want to say about the Thrawn about the Thrawn reveal is, is, is that I really like uh that Gideon 
kind of gets the other warlords on his side by saying, Thrawn has never joined the Shadow Council. Where is he? You keep saying he's going to return one day, but he has never answered in the text thread. He never shows up in the Skype calls. And I I really like that. And the other warlords who all, you know, as we just established, none of them, none of them like each other. None of them trust each other. So they all are just kind of like, yeah, you know what? He's right. We can't rely on Thrawn's return. And I love that Gideon is like, um, yo, like, oh, you want to be such team players. How about you give us like the 10,000 spaceships that you got over in Exegol? You guys are hoarding. You guys are just hoarding. Why don't you help the rest of the bros out? I thought we were together. I thought we were a shadow council. They're like, you get three. (laughs) Praetorian you get through and hey that's enough that'll actually it turns out it's enough for for a little bit i mean four might have sealed the deal but yeah no you can't but i really i really like the 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 shadow council scene there's there's so many little bits of just canon and setting up the future of where this conflict between the new republic and the remnant empire is going that is just so fascinating to me so interesting um to to kind of sink my teeth into i wish i could have seen the at least this scene a second time because there's just so much in it that i just love i i have to admit that like i love this scene it makes me like the finale less because Gideon's out of the picture now. And like Gideon yeah. gets more interesting because of the scene, he which again have... goes back to your idea of like, yeah. I wish this was in the last episode of season three in a version where season four is all about getting Mandalore back from Gideon. Oh, oh sure. Like yeah. I, I would prefer not to fanfic write too much, but I would have preferred a season three that the conflict is all about. Can these Mandalorian factions come together? And that's the conflict. And season four is all about, Get Mandalore back from Gideon. Did that see that was that's my biggest thing. And this is what we were talking about for weeks about like Bo-Katan, the armorer, having different ways of being a Mandalorian. And then like they're all coming together. And like the armorer is just okay with it. There's no conflict. She's just no. Every and like in episode seven, when we all thought she was gonna be a bad guy, because everything she said sounded sinister, and there are multiple shots of her looking sinister, and they and Emily Swallow shared a social media <laughs> post that was like, Who's the spy? And I'm like, boy, you shouldn't have done that. That was just that was and just it turns nasty. out there aren't there there aren't there are no spies. Everyone and I, again, like like for this show, like again, like you know, take away everything, just like watching this as a show, like, yeah, like all the heroes they band together. Here, none of the heroes actually die except Paz. Nobody gives a shit about that guy. Like, like Axe survives. Ragnar does. Oh, I don't. I know Ragnar oh. lost his daddy. Oh, little Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel's nephew. Oh no. <laughs> I'm gonna be a Mandalorian. I'm a little kid. Oh, get out, Ragnar. <laughs> so mean. I don't, I'm just, I'm just joshing. I just, I, I, I just don't care about Paz as or his little kid whatsoever. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> uh, but I, but I think like. What I got excited about, right, from episode seven and then, like, more of the information we did get about Gideon in episode eight, but, like, really what's here in episode seven is it becomes clear very quickly from this opening scene and from the last scene he has where he's talking to the Mandalorians and he's saying, it's a Beskar suit, but it's all the better because I'm in it and all this kind of stuff is, like, he's anti-Thrawn, right? Because Mm -hmm. he's a guy who is taking... He's culturally appropriating their things, but he's not studying the culture. He doesn't understand why these things are important or like the history of them or any of that. He just understands make me strong, this equal power. Yeah. Um, And like, that's a really cool thing, especially as you're about to bring Thrawn into the picture to have like the antithesis of how Thrawn thinks about it and make him look like, like he was dangerous, but he was also kind of like, because like his motivations were so selfish and like self-centered. Whereas Thrawn is dangerous 
for a whole other reason because Thrawn's smart and he really does look at this stuff and he thinks about how to utilize fully what his uh, opponents care about yeah. in a real I'll, way. And like the fact that that's not going to get fleshed out more because Gideon's going to be out of the picture now is like, ah, oh, like the, this was a great setup. Like the, the parallel of these two very different ideas inside of this, how do we move the empire forward is so if, good. If, if you were going to, if you actually were going to take out Gideon this season, don't do what you've done the last two seasons and just have him show up in the last couple episodes. Because that's just a been literally a re- And I don't mind that. Like, I love Giancarlo, but like, if this was going to be his final season, make him more prevalent in the entire season. Because the second he shows up in episode seven, I'm like, oh shit, now I'm like really into the show again. It's because I like this guy a lot. He should have been here throughout the whole show and take out some of the stuff that like, because this, there's only one chance to, it's like we only get one Obi-Wan show, right? That was the only time we got to see that reunion. This is the only time they got to retake Mandalore. This was it. It was in 30 minutes. It was an entire season. It was a 30-minute action scene, which was great. But I'm like, I'm just like, man, we, what, I wanted that whole season of them like fighting for Mandalore. But like, yeah. you know, what's up, Ben? Um, not to, uh, we'll get to my thoughts about, um, about Freck, Gideon later on. But also there, there's, I want to bring this up, not to like jump back in order to go too far forward when we talk about the season as a whole. There was this one line that I thought was going to open up a whole great plot point. And maybe if there was, it's going to be season four about how like Ryan you, or Sam uh, Sparks, you said that like, Hey, this is going to be a great thing about the whole season four is going to be them taking back Mandalore. This is going to be great. I really hate the fact that the line. So Moff Gideon was rescued by Mandalorians and it goes nowhere. It just turns out. Oh, the best are, oh I so that could so, have opened up an entire whole plot point, a three front attack on mandalore between the mandalorians the imperials and the new republic that would have been so freaking cool that's that is explained in this episode because his troopers are wearing beskar armor yeah but that's the thing though we don't know i mean yeah we know that eventually but i mean you can put the two and two together yeah but that reveal though that there was just regular imperials and the new republic thinks it's mandalorians could have been the one a great misunderstanding that caused a whole another conflict i mean who forged all their armor here's and the it's, thing if it's so perfect this season is full of moments like this ben and you're correct like ben is right like what what does it do it sets up this idea of like we know that the mandalorians didn't free gideon we know that like it's it implies to anyone who watches television There's a spy? that well it implies that the new republic is going to think the mandalorians are a problem yeah and that that was like that was a tension that we thought was going to come up we didn't think this was all going to get resolved so fast that it doesn't matter yeah. and like, like that that happens then you bring up an excellent point and i just want to point it out because it's the same problem as like the canaan pershing thing at the end of the episode like that case has to mean something then like that's going to come um and then it's also like it's here it's right here in episode seven the armorer flies a couple of the guys who are injured up to the ship oh and then she's only for them all to come back down to the ground yeah she's just what was that scene for if not to make you suspicious of the armorer which means nothing that nothing yeah. it's a nothing but, scene true. going to the sh- talking of going back to the shadow council scene which i will agree shadow council scene got me hyped hearing thrawn's name hearing all these imperial warlords talking amongst themselves i'm thinking oh this is like this is good setup for ahsoka this is good set for more mandalorian stuff down the line at the time of my when i was first watching this episode i was hyped like this entire episode the reveal Later on down the line, I know I like to jump points, but this scene 
I was like, this is shit is going to go bad. I was whole ready that this season was going to have an ending. That's like good. Grab the end of your seat, edge of your seat. Shit is hitting the fan. You thought you, we were, I mean, I will not lie. I was kind of liking Paz Vizsla a little bit in this season, especially. I, how, I mean, he was, he was, he was his, I, my respect for him was growing a little bit. And the way he goes out, I'm like, okay, you went out like a badass. Now yeah. I'm scared for the rest of the Mandalorians. And it's done. Like the whole time, like with we'll episode seven and episode eight, I feel like the South Park meme where it's like, and it's gone, and it's like, and it's over. Yeah. Um, real quickly, because you brought up the um well, I technically brought them up, but the 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 troopers in the Mandalorian and the best car armor. Um, I kind of really like that as an extension of where we saw Mandalorians and Rebels, how there were Mandalorians. So for those who haven't seen Rebels, there's a whole, there's a whole couple of episodes where it's revealed that Mandalorians have joined the empire and have brought their technology to the empire and Bo-Katan's pissed off about it. Sabine's pissed off about it. Everyone's pissed off about it as they should be. Um, And I really like that kind of extension of uh, it. It felt like if you look at the two, it feels like this one, uh, what we see here is a good evolution of what we saw in Rebels. And I just, as someone who likes Rebels, I just like that. Just wanted to point that I, out. No, I agree with you. I think my problem is with these guys in particular. I like them as like a force fighting the Mandalorians. Yeah, but I'll say specifically in like, I really like this scene. So it's I'm like of two minds about it. But it, this is an episode eight when Din is going through the laser walls uh, to get to Gideon, and he's taking them out two at a time. I really like that scene. However, to me, it kind of is like. Gideon, you had an unstoppable force in season two. Why would you swap out unkillable droids unless there's a Jedi for these very killable non-Mandalorian Mandalorians? Like, I, 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 I kind of am like, this is a this is a weak showing from Gideon. I think uh, when when you look at it comparatively, like but season Beskar. two, like they were dead in the water unless Luke showed up. But Beskar. You had kick-ass droid dark troopers that were wrecking your shit. And then you got some punk-ass Imperials and shiny armor that just happens to be better. Mandaclonians. Uh, Here's man- I'm sorry. I like um, that. I thought there was going to be a scene, and, I, and we were watching the episode, uh, when the armor is flying down with a bunch of dudes, I thought it was going to be a bunch of Gideon clones. And I was like, that would be the hypest shit. Like, there's a bunch of Mandos reveal their helmets, and it's just a bit and like, ah! and like nothing cool like like that happens. But like, I, it's I think all, again, all the fighting is is cool. But like, like how easy it would would it have been for Gideon to put his own clones inside the children of the Watch? They never take off their helmets, so they would never question it. Like, it's nuts. I it just bums me out because like obviously we're gonna get more clone stuff. Like, there's very much precedent now for it. But like. I feel like, like, I just, I guess I just personally, I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed this chapter of, of, because this is like the end of the saga of like the Mandalorian's closing. Like seasons one through three is like phase one, right? Like we ended on him. He has a house now. He's going to become a new Republic bounty hunter, right? Phase over. I didn't want this to be over yet. I thought we had way more things to do. Uh, Again, this entire season did not need Grogu. If he could you imagine if this entire season happened the same and then Din gets his house and Mandalore is like, wow, I got a house and Mandalore. I got to go get my kid back. That's the next adventure. So I do think I'll, I'll push back. Push it to say that I do think that it needed Grogu at a certain point. Sure. Um, there are definitely points where I don't think it needed Grogu, but I do think it needed Grogu for like what I think is so good about 
episode seven, episode eight, when Grogu has agency and like specifically, it's one of my favorite scenes in episode seven, which is when Paz and Axe are going at it on the on the ship and Grogu gets in the middle in his little IG-11 corpse and he hits the no, 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 no. And I'm like, this is how you this is how you change a culture. Yeah, this is how it happens. Like th- this is two cultures at conflict and Grogu and Din by proxy and Bo-Katan by proxy because they are changed by Grogu. Mm-hmm showing the way that they become different okay then, and like yeah, yeah and like that's what i want it to be is like you know i i wanted a story where like these mandalorians have a tough time coming together and it's it's the kind of trifecta relationship between bo-katan din and grogu yeah, at the yeah. center of it that changes them <laughs> so i did want grogu to be here at a certain point then maybe halfway through the season maybe you lose one of the two of the episodes where it's just like random nonsense happening i don't know um I want to, I, I don't mean to keep going back to the Shadow Council. Um, I don't mean to keep bringing us back there so, so much, but I, I have one more thing I want to say about about that, which is actually a reference to Bad Batch. Um, mm-hmm. This this sequence reminded me very much of an episode of the Bad Batch. And no spoilers, but it's a bunch of Imperials kind of sitting around a table talking about some of the upcoming plans that they have. We hear Project mm-hmm. Stardust, and we there's a clone, um, uh, Mount Tantus, Ryan? Yeah, um, uh, where we we have now seen the person who runs that place, and he's talking to Tarkin about his about where he's where he's at with cloning, um, and that is not explicitly stated in the Bad Batch to be Project Necromancer, but it's very clear that that's what he's that's what he's working on. So I did kind of like the parallels there. Having just seen the Bad Batch and this kind of back to back was um, kind of just nice to, to to see the two parallels there. Yeah, I'm gonna because I've already started the the deep dive Star Wars rabbit hole. Uh, I'm probably gonna have to now read Chuck Wendig's uh, Chuck Wendig's uh, aftermath novels because mm-hmm. that's where uh, all the Hux family stuff comes from, like their mm-hmm. entire lineage and all that shit. And um, I'm very interested in that because it sounds like a lot of fun. They're all awful, awful people. Um, and I also really like that Gideon just doesn't like the idea of Project Necromancer. He's just like, no, my thing. Um, but so the. The other thing I do want to, I do want to touch on is the is the, the the Mandalorians that have been living on the planet uh, on Mandalore for a while. One of them is played by the guy who was in Top Gun Maverick. I forgot his name in that movie. And Skinny Thief from Breaking Bad. Charles um, Charles Cornell. That's well, that's 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 Top Gun guy. Yeah, Skinny Pete. It's a different. No, guy. I was talking about Top Gun. Yeah. Um, oh, that was that was Skinny Pete. You're right. Um, the. Uh, and which is the the because you know I like a good reference. I really like the "Are you guys Death Watch?" line, um, and kind of giving you know what we have been speculating for many seasons now and has never been explicitly stated is that the watch is descended from Death Watch, but it's not necessarily the same cult. Apparently, many cults split off from Death Watch, um, which I really like the kind of bit of canon lore. So I have to I have to point out, as others did, that the armor didn't deny they were Death Watch. They mm. just said that they broke into several different factions. Not them, that Death Watch did. That was yeah. the response. I wasn't a no, we're not Death Watch. Well, but that's, the idea... That's very important, though. Like, when you're choosing, like, words matter and how you phrase a character. And, like, they left the armor in this grayness for a reason or not. Not like... If they, but they left open the window, and they've always been leaving open the window of, like, yeah? And to see it just kind of, like, bleh. Again, sure. I wanted. Go ahead. 
Well, I was just, I, I don't disagree with that. And I want to get more, more into that, but, but just kind of finish my thought on, on what I was saying, which was the, the idea that, um, that when Death Watch was corrupted by Maul, many different Mandalorian factions and cults kind of sprung up from that. And that's kind of where the watch came from because the watch is very different from Death Watch. If you watch Clone Wars and Mandalorian, it's very different how they operate um, with the watch being far more cultish than, um, than, than Death Watch was. Um, so I, I, ju I just kind of like that, that bit of lore, but that's the, the last thing I want to say on that one because, because Sparks is right. We should really start talking about the 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 horrible hints that the armorer was the spy so it's like the armorer has just been suspicious and the way she operates like with rigid strict this is the way this mm. is the way um ideology i don't mind the armorer not being a bad person i don't mind the armorer changing her mind it just wasn't executed enough it happened so for fast. me in the season there and wasn't enough to like flesh her out and make her a character and because they left her at that distance from the audience the whole time it was like i don't trust this i kept waiting for the other shoe to drop because i don't trust this even ken knapsack didn't trust this <laughs> yeah but that and that's what i talked about in the last time we talked about the mandalorian which a couple weeks ago now which was that it feels more than anything John Favreau and Dave Filoni just decided to conveniently forget that Death Watch was a cult. And the fact that the, the and I talked about I talked about this last time, it, it, because I saw it there, what, what, we're, what we're talking about here, that the armorer changes her mind so quickly, just decides like, okay, this is the way. You know what, maybe there can be two ways. And, it's, and it happens within minutes of each other as far as screen time goes. And maybe over exaggerating, but that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. And and then it and and then it just kind of fizzles into what this is. Yeah. And again, like I I'm I'm a big fan of like a bunch of different types of people joining together as one. You know, like Mance Raider with the Wildlings and Game of Thrones. I'm all about that. I love that idea. It's just like for for almost for two and a half seasons plus boba fett so almost for now three seasons of a show the armor has been very strict in her ways yeah. i'm totally cool with people changing their ways learning from their ways growing mm -hmm. as people it can't happen in five minutes it can't happen that fast like this this the last half of the season doesn't take place over two years it can't it takes place over like relative that goes, time right that goes to what we talked about in the beginning of this episode which sparks which sparks put out which sparks kind of projected which is the fact that if this was a season about the two factions of Mandalorians coming together, then you could have conflict between Bo-Katan and the Armorer, but you don't have any conflict between Bo-Katan and the Armorer because when when we when Bo-Katan comes face to face with the Armorer, she's very subservient to the Armorer, and then when when they take uh, Navarro, the Armorer is like, okay, actually, yeah, you're the leader of Mandalore, so bring them all together, and we'll all just be ha happy, hunky dory. And that doesn't that didn't that just kind of doesn't work. And it feels like the only way that it would work as fast as it does, sorry, real quick, Ben, is only if they already knew Gideon was on Mandalore. Sure, yes. Like, that's the thing that gets you to just be like, screw it. Like, we all just gotta, like, get through it, guys. Come on, we gotta get we gotta get past this shit and get that guy. Um, but that's not the impetus that causes it. And so, like, and I don't want it to be. That's not what I'm saying. But, like, that's the way that as fast as it moves would make sense. But... This is one of those things where I fall back onto, I will let you go in a second, Ben. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this turned into longer than I thought. Um, this is one of those things where, like, I don't agree that the season needed more Din and Grogu necessarily. I think it just needed more 
like I like that it's focusing on like the Bo-Katan and the Mandalorians and the whole thing as a whole. Like I don't need it to be about Din and Grogu only. However, I do need that relationship, whether Grogu is present for it or not, to be the thing that's at the center of what's causing change. And so if the armor is changed, it shouldn't just be Bo who's involved, but Grogu or Din who are involved. And I mean directly, like we should give be given a direct scene of like, She's changing her mind because she's looking at them. Okay, sorry, Ben. Go ahead. Had you told me after? Had you told the Ben who just finished, say, the Mandalorian episodes mm-hmm. of Book of Boba Fett, and you would have told me that the armor was going to be totally fine with a certain leader of um, the Night Owls lip- taking her helmet off in front of her, and everything is going to be all hunky dory, I would have called bullshit. Part of me still kind of wants to call bullshit because that armor. Had I known through seasons one and two, never would have let that slide. Straight up said, go to the waters of Mandalore, bathe in the living waters. And then when Bo-Katan shows up, she's like, hey, you bathed. You did the right. You did the creed. So here you go. You cool again. And just nothing ever the whole season. And even those shots of the armor flying into space, I was half expecting a button to be pushed. I was like everyone else, the other shoe to drop. But it was just constantly floating up there. And I... This is one of the reasons why I feel like this entire season or the last episode and even the whole season is sorry to use the to use the term mid it's there. It doesn't there. I will agree with every, with everything that everyone has said that the ideas were there. The execution was just horrible. Yeah, it just, it, there is something to be said about, not every show has to be, and I'm not saying this in a negative way, but not every show has to be, you know, have to have depth. Some shows can just be fun. They can just be action <clears> shows <throat> like, you know, the action figure, you know, uh, toyetic is what they call it. Um, that's fine. But like, I have to care. I still have to care about what's happening. I, 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 it's hard for me not to care about character and character arcs when things aren't propelled and they're stagnant or you're reversing on things that you've previously already told me, it bums me up. That's just that's just who I am as a creative. No matter how, whether this is Andor or it's or it's Boba Fett, whatever whatever it is, like you give me a product, I will meet you halfway there. This I don't feel like the show is meeting me halfway there no. for the show it is. And, and to, to exemplify too, hell yeah, baby. Yeah, and to exemplify your point a little bit, I'm totally fine with the Mandalorian being an action show. I I come for it because of the action, but with seasons one and season two, just giving us those little those great lore dumps of the Mandalorian culture and how. The, this cult works and operates i you have me invested in these characters and you have me invested in the repercussions of what happens when a man like at the end of season two when din takes off his helmet reveals his face to grogu freely i'm like those are there's consequences we see those consequences in a book of boba fett where it's like you are now apostate but now it's just there was so there were no consequences essentially and well, it, it just it just the whole thing just felt hollow if, if that sure. makes sense yeah no, well yeah. and importantly to what you're bringing up and like you're talking about this very emotional and moving scene where din takes his helmet off so grogu can see his face which all audience members who watched it felt like right thing to do very good yes mm-hmm <coughs> as we know it is flying in the face of what he believes, but it's like, because what you believe is too rigid. This is how you are meant to emotionally connect with Grogu. You are meant to do it with your face Mm -hmm. facing him. And to have the season kind of go, 
No, but it's better if he doesn't. Um, if he just leaves the helmet on, is like it's I, it's really that's just not what the show was saying before. I wonder if so. I kind of hate to put this out there, but I had the thought, and because I had the thought, I decided to say it. So I wonder if it's because they can't afford Pedro Pascal. Yes. No. I I've listened to a bunch like of as a, like as a physical actor. No, because yeah, it, it it is different pay rate for you being on screen as opposed to you going to a studio for an hour. Like yeah. that is a hundred percent different. And like, uh, I don't remember because again, I listen to so many podcasts. Jesus Christ. Uh, who said it? But like four years ago, Pedro Pascal was not <coughs> not the same not the same level of quality. You know, coming mm-hmm. off Game of Thrones, uh, uh, he was he was rising, but Narcos was the biggest thing he did. Uh, and then throughout the years, Mando made him big, and then he did more movies, and now he did The Last, <coughs> the oh, Last me, of Us, sorry. which is the biggest show of the year. Um, now his power is huge, and I guarantee, not not that he doesn't deserve it, but like they don't think they need to pay him. They're like, oh, we don't need Pedro. I'm like, y- you you do. I'm not, you guys, you do. You really do. I, I think, because I think Sparks is right. The fact that like, if... I, I don't I, I do wonder how much of it is we don't need we don't think we need him or we can't afford him anymore uh, because the, I mean the show cuts costs with the volume like that's the reason why the volume exists is to cut is to make the show look more expensive than it is um, even though sometimes it doesn't work um, the the I, I think Sparks is right that when that if you had a season where where Gro- not a season but like in a different world in a parallel world where this season was kind of was, was kind of grogu-less in the beginning and then became and then grogu showed up you have din having to kind of i walk both ways i have to walk both ways because otherwise i cannot connect with my son and yes. i and i think that that's more impactful than just kind of hearing his voice talk to grogu and i i i get the relationship i buy the relationship between grogu and din i like it but i just there's he's something great voice missing. actor yeah, yeah. like yeah. regardless of, yeah, yeah. of the rest of it pedro is a great the voice problem actor. the problem that i have now is and this just becomes a problem of unfortunately it is because pedro pascal is a huge hollywood star now and like he was cast when he wasn't like they now live in a world where the mandalorians can be helmetless if they want to be but he still will keep his helmet on no matter what. Well, and like part of my problem with it is that it's still not clear if that's even true. Like if you're part of the creed, you're supposed to stay part of the creed. So your helmet stays on. But look, I, I the show ended with people with their helmets off. Yeah, but they weren't part of the creed. They didn't like we are meant to assume that they are staying in their separate tribes while they are now coming together as a society of Mandalore. They are recognizing like I have a different faith than Oh, that's fine. Which is no different. Right, yeah, but yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But like that is not clear. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's sure, like sure, it's sure. not it's not laid out that like we will function as separate. Like be, again, because the conflict of these groups coming together was never directly tackled in the show. We don't know how they decided to just settle on this. They had a, they had a chess like, match, which is fine. It's it's fine if like the resolution is that it functions the same way as it does in our society, where like you believe a different thing than I do, or you have a different faith, and it's not where we get like absolutely up in arms about it. But we just accept like you believe something I don't. Yeah. Um, and that. And if that's the the result, fine. But that's not clear. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the other thing I want to say is uh, Ryan brought up uh, how you know the shows don't always have to have depth. Sometimes they could just be action figures and uh, punching each other. But the weird thing to me is that's never been a Star Wars show before. Like Clone Wars and Rebels and Bad Batch, even. I don't feel that way. I don't. And, and uh, just talk about the Dave Filoni shows because this start, this Dave Filoni and John Favreau developed the show together. Like you look at Clone Wars, you look at rebels 
and Mandalorian, it's really strange that Dave Filoni made a show that's really just about putting action figures together. Well, yeah. did did he or like how much is he here and how much is this John Favreau? Because well, this season Filoni's going and working on Ahsoka. This season specifically, like it, it's like <clears throat> it, it's like he was working on Ahsoka. Like he, yeah. like he was, he he obviously had like help, like he was in one of the episodes, but like he was not as nearly as hands on as the previous two seasons. Like it is, just, that is very evident. Like not just because like of the writing and directing, just like the feel of the show. Like episode seven is the dopest because Filoni had involvement in a lot of it. Yeah, like. I mean that's a that's a really good point, Sparks. Filoni <laughs> wasn't as involved in this in this season, and I don't necessarily feel that way about season one. I don't feel like it's that action figure type show in season one, but I did start to feel it in season two, which Filoni was a part of. Yeah. And I'm not saying it was quite there, but I, I had issues with season two that you guys didn't, didn't really have. And I'm not saying that you should have. It's just season two did not hit me as hard as it did, as it did you guys. Mm-hmm. And then, and season three just kind of, it just kind of felt like a decline since season one. And perhaps it is just Filoni just pushing, that's pulling back and focusing more on on bringing Ahsoka and this Mando movie and whatnot. But it just it just feels weird to me that we're looking at a Star Wars show operating in a way that I don't feel anyway any Star Wars show has. No, it's a, it's yeah, a good I, point. That's, no, that's I was true. actually, I was gonna, that was one of the things I was gonna talk about was after watching this, I was gonna say that I feel like Filoni is losing his touch. Thankfully, now that you guys have said Filoni wasn't really involved in this season, it's like, okay, cool, it's, it's not him losing his touch. Because looking at Filoni's track record with all the other Star Wars shows, the, the man has made some amazing, amazing Star Wars And you see that Ahsoka trailer? <sighs> yeah. Come oh, on, bro. Oh, my, oh my And he God hasn't even God. seen Rebels. Not Hell all yeah. of Rebels. I've seen some Rebels, but... Not enough. God, not a, you're correct on that part. Not enough. I'll fix that. <laughs> Don't worry. I got a five-hour flight to Hawaii on Monday. Um, uh, where was I going with this? Yeah, just... I had a point. Son of a bitch. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's, it's not your fault. I was going on a tangent. Um, it, it just... This whole season felt kind of directionless. If, does that make sense? It's not, no, it's not directionless. It's like <clears throat> it has a very clear direction. Had, like by the end of the season, like now that we're at the end of the season, I see the trajectory. It just getting there was really, really sloppy. It's like the That's... road they took had like forty-eight different ways to get there, and they didn't focus on the things they should have focused on. Directionless was the wrong word. Um, Fo- they were focusless. They focus. didn't focus. It, it, you know what? It, it, you know what it is. You know what it is. Real quickly, because I know I'm. I'm sure we've all seen the trailer for Sing Two. Um, no, but when when the lizard girl is driving the car and it just says up ahead, take a left, and she just swerves into the field. That's what. It, that's what the season feels like. Where it's just like you can take a left, but now I'm going through the field yeah, yeah, real yeah. quick. Actually, you know what? I know what this. I know. I know how to with the right analogy for this. Don't take no, no, I'm not gonna say mid. Relax. <laughs> I was gonna say you have the. They took the boring road. They took the safe road. They took the road with hardly any obstacles. That was, that was a clear point from direction A to B. It wasn't the a journey was the destination. The destination was the destination. They didn't go off the beaten track. They didn't go adventuring. They didn't decide to be like you know what this is gonna take us a few extra a uh, few extra miles to get to where we need to go. <clears throat> but along that journey would have had some amazing moments. We could have had seen some great things. That's what the season felt like. It was mm-hmm. clear shot A B get there as fast as humanly possible. And there's, there's go ahead Ben. No, I pretty much finished my point. I was just gonna keep rambling on like I do. There's there's still so many things I want to talk about specifically in these episodes. However, to your point, what I think it really comes down to is that I think 
the Mandalorian failed in a major way because I care a lot about what is going on with Bo-Katan in the arc of her character in this season. I care a lot about it, and I think there's a lot of strong choices with it. But I also know that I care about it that much because I watched Clone Wars mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. watched Rebels. Yeah. And I think The Mandalorian failed because it did not bring that stuff to the table in this show in a way where a person who has not watched those things could engage with the character in that way to feel fully uh, connected to the character. And I think that like, to your point, Ben, that it's hitting all these points that are like, these are the points I do want you to cover in a broad sense. And this, this is the story I want to see. Yes. Of like doing these things with the Mandalorians and where Bo-Katan's going and all that. But it feels like we did not fully engage with who these characters were along the way. And it's, it's very much, uh, in parallel to the same thing that happened for so many people with Kingpin showing up on Hawkeye for the MCU show, right? I gave a really big shit about it because I watched Daredevil. Yeah. But if you didn't, they didn't do the work. And like the, the same thing here, like you, if you're not, and you shouldn't be expected to, that's the thing. You shouldn't be expected to, you should be able to watch this and get as much about who Bo-Katan is and why this is what it is without having to watch those things. It should have been directly brought up. It should have been connected to the character so much more and what the show is doing as a whole. And to um, extenuate your point, as someone who has not seen all of Clone Wars or Rebels and only know a little bit about Bo-Katan by proxy, thanks to you guys, I still feel cheated. I wanted more. I wanted mm-hmm. more stuff with Bo-Katan. I want a conflict with Bo-Katan. I, well, maybe not with, with Bo-Katan, but involving Bo-Katan. I was ready to go into a whole new Mandal- um, section of Mandalorian politics yeah. that I just did not get. And it was just like, okay, everything's fine now. Let's go. We got to yeah, move on. It, Hurry up. This is, this is why I said, like, you know, it, it, <laughs> rewriting history in my own way. Like, I do wish that everything that happens here was just stretched across two seasons because i think if you give it that much landscape you have to be giving more time to these characters i have to care more about the mandalorians that they meet on the surface of the planet and know them as characters because that's such an important thing i really love the part where they find out about the garden i think that's such an important little note but it feels really weird in this episode because we have to speed by it as a point so fast um and like i love it i love it as an idea i love bo-katan being like i thought gardens could only grow inside the domes but look the planet like much like they brought up with coruscant look how this planet is like thriving under uh underneath everything that was put on top of it like we just breeze past it so quickly that like we're not allowed to live with these ideas of who 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 these characters are and and they're different ideas of how mandalore has fallen apart and what that means and them coming back together and i i wish we got to live with these characters a little longer in the journey to getting this done that's really all it is i was so expecting part of me was kind of hoping for when bo-katan revealed how she lost the dark saber to moff gideon or how she gave the dark saber to moff gideon i was expecting mutiny I was like the look on these Mandalorians faces who said, we are blasters are at your side when Mandalore, uh, like, cause they were fed this one version of, or this one side of what, how, what happened on Mandalore. Yeah. And when they hear it from herself and how she essentially gave up to save it, I was honestly kind of expecting a betrayal. They're like, they're like, yeah, yeah. Or just, just something. Angry. I, I get, I get what you're saying. I, and in a, if, the, if that, because what, mm-hmm. what, 
kind of in an ideal world, as we keep talking about, where this plot line would have been in season four. Um, and in a, in, in a, in a different a different way to write this, I think, in a, a kind of more fulfilling way, would not necessarily be a mutiny or a betrayal, would be like, they feel betrayed by her in a way that they ju- they do forgive her very quickly, having lived with this lie for many years, like 20 years almost, that they've lived with this lie on the surface of Mandalore. And and they have this, and they, they just kind of are like, it's okay, we forgive you. There's no real conflict by her telling them this. And that is a little strange. I don't necessarily need like balls out mutiny, but yeah. a little something for them to be like, I, their, their faith was shaken a little. Something again, like no that. conflict, just smooth it over. It's all fine. <clears throat> I have I have to admit that this is one of the points where like conflict isn't what I needed. Actually, I got fearful when she was telling the story that that was going to be a response like of like, now we can't trust Bo-Katan or because she did this and all the. I actually prefer the reaction that it's like, you know, she even admits like she really shouldn't have trusted Gideon, but like that she she set them up for this failure. But like what it means to have given up the Darksaber, she was trying to save her people. Mm-hmm. And like she made that choice for all of the people of Mandalore. Like I think that's far better to them than I challenged him to a fight and I lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I gave up the dark saber willingly because he said all of us would be safe. That's why mm-hmm. last um, last time I was talking, like I wanted this conversation <clears throat> because otherwise it was just the boring. They had a fight. Right. She willingly gave it up, thinking she was saving her people. Which and I then think- he still screwed her over because she. She thought there was some honor left in him. Which again, like this is episode seven. And it's one of the reasons I think that episode is so good because we're very quickly followed up that conversation of her feeling like, and this is important. Again, if you've watched the character across a long time, this is important to the character that she has felt like she has constantly failed the people she cares the most about and the people that she wants to lead. This goes back to her sister and what happened to Satine. This goes back to so many different moments in her life and taking the dark savior back from Sabine. Like all of these choices that have weighed on her uh, about who she is. And then Din, again, putting Din at the center of how change occurs, saying, like, I don't care about Wait, don't you mean Jaren? No, I mean Din Jaren. No, his I can call Jaren. him Din. No, 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 I'm no. I'm just no. kidding. We, we, uh, <laughs> him, him I will not entertain this conversation. Him being at the center of it and saying, I've never cared about the Darksaber. My people have never cared about the Darksaber. What I care about is honor. What I care about is the way that you truly live for your people and all this stuff. And like, that's why I would follow you anywhere, Lady Kree's. And I'm like, that is a, that is a 10 out of 10 Star Wars moment. Like love that moment. And that is the, that is the energy of it that I'm like, this is fine. This is fine that it's like everyone's movie because Din is just expressing what everyone else is recognizing. Like you really are a leader. Mm -hmm. You really are a leader for Mandalore because you did the same thing that your sister would have done, which is put the people first. Yeah. I, th- th- that's th- that's fair. I I'm kind of in between the two of you. Like I do really, li- I do really like, I I'm glad we're talking about the boat scene because I do really like the boat scene where they're all having dinner on the boat and the volume is moving and they're not. Um, and everyone's just kind of um, uh, just kind of having, having this really nice conversation there is a part of me that would have liked to have seen a little bit more like the, the Mandalor- specifically the Mandalorians who've been on Mandalore kind of have to take a, take a moment. I don't need a fight. I don't need an argument. I, I would have liked, I would have liked just a moment. I, yeah, like it, those characters, like again, like the, the, uh, hold on, the garden, the garden showing up is nice, but like those characters, they don't really do anything or add. Yeah, that's kind of, I think that's kind of where my thing is coming from. Yeah. I'll even go back to say that like it could have been an awkward silence that didn't said that moment in there mm-hmm. publicly, not just for her, but for them. 
Um, yeah. and, and maybe that could have helped smooth over that effect. And like, again, it, in a longer space, even if like previous episodes have maybe been changed over so that this happened earlier. And like, we again, spread that time a little to really engage with these characters in a major way, then that could have been expressed more deeply. But the main point of how, what, what, where we end up with it is more what I want than like people getting in, breaking into another argument over Bo-Katan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's just, that's just at that point in the story, that's not what I want. Like once we've got all the factions kind of sitting at the table together, like I don't want it to turn into, oh yeah, Bo-Katan, that <laughs> like, I don't, I, I'm, we're past it at that point. Mm -hmm. Like the time for that was earlier. We're done with it now. Um, so I, I really, I really like so much of what they do in episode seven with, with putting that stuff out there and putting that stuff on the table. There was a part of me that honestly went into episode eight thinking like they might lose this attempt to retake Mandalore and have to come at it another time. Um, again, like kind of still going to that season three, season four idea, like it's going to affect them in such a major way. It's more complex. Um, you can't, you got to cut the conflict. It just, it, it just, it just feels like, it does feel like, taking back Mandalore is a little easy. It happens, uh, it, again, like, this is it's supposed to be a huge moment in, like, Star Wars history. It's not just, like, a TV show moment, like, like this is, like, for, for, like, the lore of Star Wars, like, retaking this planet, which has been conquered for decades, like, that is a really cool thing, and yeah. it happens in one episode. I don't even mean, like, just how fast it is. I'm, like, Gideon seemed like he knew they were coming and he still was poorly prepared for the fight. Like, I just don't get it. He knew they were coming because of a spy, maybe? And, no. and like, but he did, he did. He knew Kane had, Kane had said like, no, yeah, they're all no, coming together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, so he was getting his, his shit in yeah, order. Yeah. Like they're, they come in on an ambush. I do like the, the secret base. Imperial base. I think that's Which pretty is great. Because like the second they start storming down hallways, I'm like, this looks like an Imperial base. What's going on yeah. here? I like oh, it. Is. I do like the idea that Moff Gideon has probably been on Mandalore's for years. And spreading the lies that it was poisonous. So no one would come and check it out. Yeah, so this is kind of where his base has always been. I actually really like that reveal. I do too. I, I oh, do yeah. too. And like, I, I like that it's like him pillaging Mandalore becomes so much more personal in this season. And I really I like that. more I of think, that. I think that's so, so valuable. But like, I I will reiterate a point by the, the fantastic Joanna Robinson of the Ringerverse, which is that um, to me, it's been very clearly shown to us as audiences that making Beskar armor is a specific art form and that it's something the armorer is very good at. And because Gideon is not a person like Thrawn who studies cultures and everything, I also would have assumed that his Beskar armor wouldn't be very good. Yeah. Like it wouldn't be true Beskar and it wouldn't hold up <laughs> That's against why the Darksaber. And like, that would be an important point of why he loses this fight. That's why we find a piece of it, it on the ship because it's the, it's the shitty malleable one that the armorer didn't make. And that has no ramifications with any of their armor or or um, Gideon's armor. It's just perfect Mandalorian armor. And, and that, like, that, uh, that doesn't make sense to me. I feel like we're ignoring the fact of like this cultural idea of who the Mandalorians are and how important what they do is and how connected they are to the living water of their planet yeah. and how that's part of making Beskar. I'm like, all of that feels like Gideon's not a person who appreciated that. So how did he make such good Beskar armor? Yeah. What's up? We there is a scene in episode eight where you see Bo Katan stab a stormtrooper through the chest or in the back with the dark saber while Damn, there like, is. Oh yeah. So maybe his best car armor isn't that good against the dark saber, but it does help repel uh, repel blaster fire. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but but Gideon 
doesn't get slashed by the by the dark saber. He specifically is fine when she slashes at him with it and then breaks it. So like I I'm just saying like it, narratively wouldn't it make sense that that would be a, like I, again I'm reiterating the point of someone who's much smarter than me but but what it is is simply that villains are are all the better when their downfall has been something that they have baked in on themselves where they have made a misstep and it's very clear how they let their ego get ahead of them and it is ultimately the thing that undoes them and i feel like you had the perfect setup for that in gideon here yeah and the fact that like we just didn't even go for it is like oh okay um to me like it's too easy because like what, there's a scene in episode eight where Gideon's getting mad at Din Djarin for killing all his clones. And I'm like, well, what were you doing? Why weren't you in the room before that? Why weren't you protecting them? Why weren't you protecting why were your you babies? Just, why were you just waiting on the other side of that room for him to get to you? Why weren't the Praetorian guards guarding them? Like, what did you think was going to happen? They had to make a sick entrance. A uh, quick thing, and then I'm going to um, go grab some more tissues because I ran out. Um, that line is one of my biggest problems. And one of the reason, like the biggest enforcer of my point of you have a great idea and nothing is done with it. Where he tells, like, you killed my clones, which have the one thing I never did, the force. And I'm no. thinking, oh, shit. So they don't they don't have the force. He was working on isolating the force. Either and way, I, and I think, and I think he's full of shit. I don't think he ever would have pulled it off. He just like thinks they were close. Either way, a force using get him off Gideon would have been terrifying. Sure, would have been an amazing villain. You know, I gotta say, he probably shouldn't have been so dismissive of Brendel Hux because he's the only he's got the only project that managed to clone a force user. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. But the the thing is, they put that idea in, and I'm like, there are real stakes here for the entire galaxy you just open up a huge can of worms and i'm like oh okay let's see uh, what that's it i hope i here's the thing um he can't come back now because he's, he can't be phasma he can't come back twice like as much he as can't like, be the villain at the end of another season yes when it hasn't been built up that he would be and i, I can't fake out his i life. desperately want him to be alive and to mm. be basically like an evil darth vader that's like melted into his armor like I want him to just be like a recurring bad I'll, guy, but I'll, but like I don't need him to ever come back as the main bad guy. But I really don't want him to be I'll, dead. I'll be honest; I'm very much in the camp of like I I disliked how kind of stupid I feel Gideon is in Episode Eight so much that like I'd prefer you told me that the it one was that a clone. in Episode Eight was a clone <laughs> because he didn't have Gideon a is is somewhere else. But it's still him in Episode Seven. Yeah. Because I like what he says in his speech in Episode Seven, and the reason why he's at waiting for him at the end of the room is because it's not the real Gideon. Yeah. It's a cloning. The real Gideon got away. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. I, I'm honestly, I'm honestly into that idea only because like again, this Gideon in Episode Eight, specifically Episode Eight, feels dumber than every in time we've encountered him previously. If, see, I, I feel I like he goes out like a but I feel like he goes out like a punk. Yeah. A starship fell on him. She no, just, but like but like the way that he the way that he prepared for this engagement was like I'll just throw uh many troopers at them and that like he he had ample opportunity and like why does he why does he wait for Dick to get home to alone? Him? He could have home alone the whole I just house. don't I don't understand. Yeah. Um I 
I I know it's not. I just I really I really hope he was a clone because I would I just don't want this character to be done. And again, I don't want him to be like another big bad because that's just ridiculous four seasons in a row. But like he is really John Carlos Mazzito rules. He is so fun as just a scene stealing, chewing bad guy. And like I would love to see him come back like and you thought I was dead, but I'm back, baby. It really goes back I, to like I feel like <laughs> he just opened the potential of what Gideon can mean to the franchise and then also it immediately snuffed him out. Yeah. Yeah. Um one more quick thing. I feel like if they say, "Oh, that was a clone," it might. It to me, it feels like it's it'll be a cop out. But at the exact yeah. same time, it's like it makes sense because we do see the clones. It totally could have been. Why not? And both? while I feel it would have been a cop out, it's probably if it does come to light that oh no, it was a clone of Gideon. It's like you know what? I don't. I'll accept it. I can. I can finally say my note. Sorry, Trex. My rebuttal to Ben is that my biggest pet peeve, one of my biggest pet peeves in media, this is like the, uh, it's 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 not what you think about origin stories. Like you were you were always wrong. Or Everything like, you know is wrong. Is wrong. Um, it's it's when clones are introduced, usually in tubes, and then nothing happens with them. Yep. When they are just there, and it's like the idea of clones, and then they will never do anything. Clone, Those clone, clones clone. are just there as a visual cue of like cloning, and then nothing, nothing. Hate it. Absolutely hate it. You know where's a great example, Ben, that you'll recognize that I hate it? Shadow. Hate it. Awful. <laughs> so, here's what should happen. Get ready for this. This is going to be great. Okay. Gideon is alive. Real Gideon is alive. He was just a clone. He's alive. He's got his mustache. He's ready to fight Din Djarin. He's ready to go. And then arms rip through him. And he just splits him open and it's Thrawn. Yeah. I recognize that. Like Ultron? Like Ultron. Yes. <laughs> like Ultron. Honestly, actually, Brandon, that's actually great. Maybe not the Ultron part, but like the part where like he does come back like in like the first episode, like I'm back. I I will I am the season villain. And he gets shot in the head. Like Phew. Nah, <laughs> get out. I would actually, I would actually be fine with that. I would actually be fine with like Gideon being back, and like the Mandalorians do think that that's where they beat him. But like we learn as audience members that Gideon survived and was later taken out by other Imperial forces or Thrawn because there's a whole because other, it was yeah. like, yo, bro, like what were you doing? There's like <laughs> a whole dummy. other plot happening with Thrawn and real Gideon, and then Mando hears about it like a week later. Wait, so Gideon was alive. And he got killed by this other Imperial yeah, yeah, yeah. who's yeah, yeah. invading the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. I'd be fine <laughs> with that. Totally fine with that. Because, again, I do feel like Gideon's most interesting thing going forward was, like, as this antithesis of what Thrawn does, I don't need him to be the enemy of the Mandalorians anymore if he's still on the table. I do like him as this, like, alternate force existing in this new idea of what can the Empire be that Thrawn has to be like, bro you can't even get up to my level yeah. uh like i love that 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 is the purpose i would want him to serve um i don't need him in the mandalorian story anymore they kind of sunk that ship so like literally that's fine uh yeah literally um oh uh, axe I, I i'm glad that axe like he just flew out of the ship because he i like, actually he? i actually really like him yeah. Uh, in these episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, and I like that too. I like that he, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to drive it in. And if I don't make it, I don't make it. But if I do, which I probably could because of the jetpack, then great. Um, you know, you got to point it out. Like, I can't, I don't get how, like, you know, uh, jetpack fuel is a problem when we're chasing after a pterodactyl dinosaur, <laughs> but it's not a problem when we're launching out into space. Oh, he had um, an extra reserve this time. I, you do have to point that out. Yeah, and you're absolutely, yeah. and you're, you're absolutely correct. But 
That looked really cool when he's flying up into space no, and no. he lands into the no, ship. No. I love it. My problem is with the previous establishment rules, yes. not not with it happening. They get half a mile, <laughs> and they're great. like, wow. I gotta, "It's great." Sorry, I gotta say, there's a lot of really great action scenes in episode eight, as Ryan has, has, has said multiple times. I love the scene when all when like the troopers and the the Mandalorians just like, and I love that the armorer is just committed to using that hammer. Um, oh. Okay, like her, her and Bo coming in and like taking people out. It looks great. Yeah, I love it. Um, one of the Mandalorians like sliding on a deck and then down and using the knee rockets. Yeah, that's cool. Amazing, love it. Fantastic action. Ten out of ten. No notes on that. Love it. This is exactly how this concluding fight should have been. I just wish the road getting here uh, could have been better. And I'm talking about the group fight. The 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 Gideon encounter is a little more uh, wishy-washy with me. I do like how it ultimately ends up, which is about like Bo and Grogu and Din kind of like working together, yeah. this little family unit against him. I I, yeah. I really like that a lot. Um, yeah, I do too. I don't have a problem with the destruction of the Darksaber. However, I do echo what others have said where I'm like, I prefer that the Darksaber not being used and the message of, Mandalorians don't need their like in response to what he's saying, which is like Mandalorians are nothing without their trinkets, which is something Thrawn would never say because he's smarter than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is to be like Mandalorians are stronger together. Um, this idea of like we are greater without these things, and like we together. are free of this, we are strong when we are standing as one. Um I wish that that came as part of Bo-Katan's choice, either not to have the Darksaber or to let it lie or leave it behind or yes. something, rather than. Gideon making the choice to take it out. I wish it was her her agency. Her yeah, because out. it's it's actually really strange how he's like, okay, give me the dark saber, and, and like you, you know, it belongs to me. Give me the dark saber, and he's the one to destroy it and her in her hand. And that I get that kind of I get that like it was just to prove how strong he's he is in this armor, sure. But it it just thematically felt weird to me that this person that this person who's been coveting the dark saber is the one to destroy it. Yeah. Well, because really what he's doing is he's playing to the idea of a Bo-Katan that she no longer is, which is a Bo-Katan who feels like she can't be a leader without the Darksaber, which is true of who she was when he met her and like up through this point, right? This is part of the journey that she's supposed to have gone on this season. And I see the pieces of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like it feels like it's more powerful if she makes that choice, not that choice is made for her. To yeah. say that the dark saber is not the thing that defines us, that, that, I, it, us together is the thing that defines us. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Just to kind of put the final like stamp on that, just to kind of like try to make my point as clear as I can, which is that like I I just think that like it's taking the choice away from her and giving it to a person who wants it thematically just doesn't jive with me. Yeah, it, it, as like a story point, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Like, I feel like I like, again, it's an idea, but not the execution. Yeah. Like the idea of it, the idea of put the Darksaber away for whatever reason and say, we're better without, we are better because of us is great. A plus. That's exactly where I want Bo-Katan to be. That's where I want the Mandalorians to be. How we got there was a little okay. Um, We haven't talked about one of the best things about these last two episodes. Yes. Which is... Yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I kind of wish it wasn't a flesh corpse, a flesh mech, a corpse mech. I wish it wasn't his friend's body being here. Are, are you okay with it more if I tell you that IG-11 was a donor? 
so silly. <laughs> yeah, they looked at his, his little ID card. He's got the little pink dot. Um, yeah. I, I'm... It's worth it for all the Grogu stuff. I absolutely adore everything with him being mobile, having agency, being able to talk to people. I absolutely love it. It's just the stuff with IG is so weird. And it's just all the droid stuff we've been talking about for weeks. It's just like, and then them like wiping his memory and it's like, look, it's IG-12. It's like a new person. I'm like, I, I, I just found it's just weird. It's just weird droid stuff. Well, no, they restore him. There was, no, it's, it, but, but it's a different memory unit. It's not him anymore. It's IG-12. It's still IG-12. It's a no. new the, no, he says he says he's IG eleven. He does. Yeah, okay. Marshall IG eleven at the end of the episode. That is yeah, IG eleven restored to where he was when he saved Grogu. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They okay. they needed like the capacitor to reboot his drive. Okay. They couldn't put him like that was. Yes. Anyway, he, he's he's IG eleven again. This, so, okay, so he no, no, so no, he reverts like, back to the person he's not in. Okay, it look, matter. this is the resurrection, um, and it is Jesus. <laughs> uh, the semantics of that aside, the the way that we give Grogu agency through these episodes is not only great. The fact that he actively is engaging with so much of the story is so fantastic that mm -hmm. that Din does not treat him like someone he has to hide, but someone who is actively participating in the story that is occurring is so good. But again, like. And, and again, like referencing my favorite use of it, which is the breaking up of the Axe and Paz fight where he says, no, 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 no. Um, fantastic. Great use of it. 10 out of 10. Um, but also him doing yes, 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 as he says that, and no to Din, like, no, I'm not getting out of it. Yes, 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 as he's walking through the market um, is the hardest I'd laughed. Uh, at the season of the Mandalorian, I love him. I yeah. love, I love it. This is the most I've loved Grogu, to be honest, since season two. And again, it, it, um, <laughs> one of the reasons that I'm bummed out that they restore IG Eleven is we lose that. So we lose the thing that gave Grogu so much fun. And like, I hope whatever we do next season, it's because I feel like we lost something really special that we had. We got rid of it so quickly. No, I, I get you. I think that this is moving him towards talking. To I wasn't gonna say that, but towards like still like it becoming more and more clear how he's engaging with them, what he's feeling, what he's saying and him taking active, an active role in what's happening. And I think like, it's probably for the best yeah. that we leave the unit behind because like the yes, no would have gotten over overused quick. I think it's such sure. a nice little slice of like, this worked really well right here. Okay. Yeah. I'll agree. Okay. I no, I have nothing to, to add to that, but I also want to say, I really like the stuff with R5. A droid that I don't really care too much about up until, yeah. but this, but episode eight, I actually really like the, 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 how do I want to say this? Because we, we know that Din's character arc has been, he's, he's kind of okay with droids now. Um, Is he? Which was, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but I like I, I like that he trusts R five who's still on the planet and he calls him buddy and he's like okay we I need your help with this is kind of like this team up and R five has to deal with the with the mouse droids I also as a prequelist I like that R five has the jet boosters on his arms um, I sure. just all that the R five stuff honestly really worked for me and I I, I I I liked it I don't know what to say other than I liked it. <laughs> I agree with you on every single point. My only caveat is when he's going R5, buddy, and I'm like, sir, 
literally your last adventure you were kicking droids to the curb like maybe maybe you haven't earned the place to call r5 buddy as a character right now we were treating droids pretty rough on your last adventure there um and i maybe even lay off that idea if that episode had done a better job of talking about how these specifically these droids and specifically these ones that trigger his trauma but like we didn't do that he treated the droids in the bar like shit too so like eh, yeah okay i guess you can call r5 buddy um it feels more placating to me it feels more like that's, hey buddy that's what i hey, read buddy, it can as. you uh can I, you like go ahead and do this like hey champ hey sport that's exactly uh, how i read uh, it. i'm your yeah. friend i'm your pal you want to help me right like you go do this okay also this he's is like, the way that i i motivate you is with like love stuck but i don't mean planet. it He's been stuck on that planet too. So like, he's like, "Hey, buddy, you still there? You want to help me out? Because you're still already there." Like, I definitely read him more. No, he wasn't like, stuck there. He was with the Mandalorians. Oh, he's been riding with them. Oh, that's true. Because Tava saw him and and commented on it, and, oh, okay. and they've sure, been sure, keeping sure. him with him. Oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, they took him to Navarro and everything. Oh, okay. Like going back real. He's quick, a found link. Season, um, <laughs> going back real quick. Another problem I have with the truncation of like these events, right? Is like they got Navarro and it was like, yeah, you can have a home here. And we're immediately like Mandalore. Yeah. But Mandalore, like, let's go get Mandalore. <laughs> like, wow, that was fast. It's I, like the, I, it's like that top gear. meme was like, this is nice, but I love this. It, yeah. it, it is. So it, it is really strange. Like they, they, they say they want to do this like right away, but like we take Mandalore and it's like, okay, but like, Mandalore, like no offense, but Mandalore is kind of shitty right now. Like the 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 ground is just glass. Because I mean, the path, could... the path to getting the factions together should have been more arduous than it was. Yes. Yeah, and like so, it should have taken more time. Like them on Navarro having negotiations, meetings, discussions, um, characters Politics. expressing themselves, characters fighting with each other, um, characters learning to love again. Like I, <laughs> there there was a lot of room for a lot of things to be done here, and um. I don't feel like anything says like, you know, we were really rushing to get to a particular point than like the way we montage the ending of this episode, uh, this last episode, where we're just like, yeah, they got the forge lit. All right, Din's got this new house. He's nobody got this says, new job. Nobody says goodbye or anything. It just ends. Well, um, I was so I was so confused why when when so when Din's like, okay, I want to adopt. I want I, I want him to be an apprentice now. I want Gogo to be an apprentice now. I'm going to adopt him. Blah blah. blah. That all sweet character stuff into it. Like it. But I found it strange with the armor is like, okay, now you can never come back to Mandalore. Go off and, and live off of Mandalore. Thanks. Thanks for helping us take the planet back. But see ya. The way I I think the way the way she says it, I, I don't I don't like it. But like I think the way that it's being presented is like it is like the way of the Mandalorian of like, cool, you have an apprentice, you have to leave Mandalore now. That's just yeah, the I way. Mean, that, but just she just like has like resting bitch voice all the time. So it's like she sounds sinister all the time. I get I get it. I get it as far as part of the watch. But my issue comes from the fact that this season wasn't about Din Jaren uh, trying to walk both ways. This is yeah. it's it's just. In a season where you retake Mandalore to have your main character not put roots down on Mandalore, it it's it, it, that's weird to me. I can't express it other than it's just no, weird to me. I feel I feel the exact same way because I was like, you did all this stuff to retake the planet. This is the home of your people. This is where everything started for your culture, and f off over there. Especially if like 
because we've talked about it in the past and like other people like massive speculation they're like oh grogu he's gonna be like he's gonna be like the leader he's gonna be like the big mandalorian jedi he's like you know in the future it's gonna be all about grogu and i'm like so you put him on navarro you don't put him on his home world uh, i get weird <laughs> And I do like that, you know, I, I do understand the idea, like, you know, it's a pilgrimage. Like, he's got to be a, an apprentice and he goes on this pilgrimage. I get it. I get it. But <laughs> I don't know. Like, putting it in this season, I guess, maybe it just feels weird to me. Or if it was in a different season, maybe it wouldn't feel weird to me. But it's, well, it, it feels it feels tacked on, again, like, going back to what Ben was saying, like, very safe, right? It's like it's trying to tell the audience, hey, if this wasn't for you, don't worry. We're going back, season, to back, we're to going back to basics. Which is honestly what I kind of want, but I'm like, but so are we just going to ignore everything we just did? Like, because because they talk about like Grogu, Grogu taking over Mandalore, whatever. But that's in hundreds of years. Yeah. Like, this is a two year old essentially, and not two. He's like probably like five, I guess. Yeah, yeah. he's just no. Because do you I don't, know how children work? No, he's still cooing. <laughs> so he's he's still like one or two or three. I don't think he'll ever talk in this season in this series. Honestly, oh, um, I think. I think uh, I I can't even speculate to be honest. And and so like, I don't like, and we're, you know, we're never going to, we're never, so like he's never going in. Okay. So there's a lot of talk about like, you know, what the, what the Ray Skywalker movie is going to be. Sure. And the Grogu could be in that, I guess, but what is a, what 50, if this is 50, how is a hundred any different any different yeah it's uh, the thing the, the, here's the, the, the things that we're talking about is star wars in 500 years like yes. people didn't realize this is still a child who basically was just born. i hate i hate to do this yeah do it but technically in the canon uh yoda started training as a jedi at 100 years old there you go so like i mean grogu started, grogu started training when he was 50 there you go uh, the, no 30 30 the, so so like Yes, he can still be in it. Like it's not gonna. It's it's not. It's not. Yes, put him on. His character can have moved forward fifty years. They can make up whatever point goal point that is. He can be a teenager at a hundred for some reason. Like he goes from baby at fifty to teenager at a hundred. I don't know. Yoda's like ancient for three hundred years. So like, pff, how does that species work? No, he's not. So, so my thing. So my thing about that. Look, I'm not even going to argue that point. I. I. Yeah. You're you're absolutely correct that it's Star Wars bullshit. Don't give a shit. But I will only say that this show does not show Grogu progressing in age at all. the the way he The way he ages is like watching grass grow. You're never and, going to see it happen until it's done. And what? And again, you guys can correct me because I probably don't remember right. But like from what I remember about Ahsoka talking, like he's he learned some Force stuff and he just it regressed because he was hiding for so long. Like he already knew this Force stuff and it regressed. Isn't that? Mm -hmm. am, I, am I right about that? I can't no, recall you, honestly. I can't remember. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Because he was training at the temple and stuff with Jedi. So like I think the thing was like he went Luke, into hiding. Luke says that when like Ahsoka says you're doing a great job training him, he's like it's less like I'm training him, more like he's just remembering. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So like he. He's already got some juice flowing a little bit. Who knows how much we'll see. It depends on how much they want to speed up their own show. I just think that maybe if you made Grogu, like, show us that he's getting older. I understand you, he can't, like, get older the same way that Din does or that anybody really does. And, again, this is a show where I have openly said that Bo-Katan is 60 years old. So, yeah. like, I get it. Ages in Star Wars don't matter. Um, but it, it's, it's just weird to me that as... 
and I get that there is growth in Grogu. He, you know, he's obviously more powerful in the Force than he was in the first season. He he's got a lot more agency. He has mannerisms like like Din, but there's no sense of like, there's no sense that his age is changing. Yeah, in this show, and that's that. At that's why point, I kind of get. That's why I kind of rub it up against the like. Oh, he'll be a main character in the Ray Skywalker movie. Oh, he'll be the leader of Mandalore. Like, yeah, in hundreds of years. Yeah, I. Specifically for the Mandalorian show, like again, just just going off what we know just from Yoda, he, he won't he won't be able to like if we're talking just like how you know babies grow up to talk, he won't talk until like season like twenty five. I don't think that's true. No, I'm just saying I'm just saying they are going to artificially make him talk sooner than if it was just you know whatever. Well, like, but here's the like, it's all fake. He nonsense. basically he basically <laughs> says true. this is the way. Like he doesn't say it in the words, but he says, and like it's it's like in the same sounds as this is the way in response to Bo and Din. This is back in episode three, um, uh, three or four, and um, that is like directly on purpose to be uh, uh, an acknowledgement of Grogu understands. Grogu is responding. Grogu is like doing these things. That that is aging, like in a sense, right? Like other than like physically aging the puppet, like I, how do you decide? Like he's got got he's gonna get like one less wrinkle right here. Uh, now he's older. Like I I don't know how they do that, like visibly physically, but as far as like his engagement, yes, he is aging in a sense. Like you can call it growth, or you can call it that he's growing up in the sense. That he is able to actively engage in conversation, crowd going up, actually say things, uh, actually nod in response directly to things. I definitely thought he was going to talk in one of these episodes. Somebody's right. like, in, the, in episode eight, she's like, "Oh, he can't, he can't speak." Blah blah blah, and they do a zoom in, and I'm like, first word. I had the same up? thought. I had the same thought. So now I want to get off this really silly plot and talk about something stupid. What do we think his first words are going to be? Um, this is the way. This is the way. It's got to be this is the way. It's it's yeah. only. That's like the boring answer, unfortunately. Um, now this is pod racing. Yeah, but I mean, like, it doesn't <laughs> yes, have to be. It's that. Like, it's that. Like, this is the way can be uh, a pretty good moment yeah, if no. it's done right. No, like, I it's just the, it's, it, it will be emotional, but it is like the one thing they always say. So, like, of course, it'll line up. It can also just simply be yes and no because yeah. we've already seen him essentially do it. Um, that won't be as exciting, though. No, it won't. So, it's probably this is the way. Yeah. Um, I speaking of this is the way. Well, my distrust of the so this this kind of ruined my distrust of the armor. I'll be honest with you. Um, it kind of made it like, oh, I don't think this can ever be a thing now. I think we've officially moved away from it by how this character does this moment, which is when he says, "Then I will adopt him," and I'm I'm praising it as I say this. Emily Swallow does my favorite reading of her. This is the way, which is this is the way um, where she's like proud. Yeah. She's very proud of this thing. It's, it's probably the most emotional line she said on the show. Um, and that makes me think like the armor probably isn't a bad person. No, like, this is no. not, this is probably not what we're doing. It's it, every, every, but again, it's also my on. favorite line read from yeah. her. Every, all, all, you know, like character conflict has been smoothed over for the Mandalorians. Like I don't like I, any, any internal conflict there would be. I don't think they're, it's just they're together now. I like again whether that means like oh your religion versus my religion or they all just are one unit again I don't think which they'll is, go into it which is fine this is ultimately what I wanted like yeah. I didn't want the Mandalorians to turn into like a civil war kind of situation necessarily where like we're just watching them all fight with each other again for an extended amount of time kind of did 
I I just I wanted it. I yeah yeah yeah. I wanted conflict, but I didn't want it to be the end point. I want the end point to be that they can all come together and recognize like different beliefs. Yeah, just next next season. But like, but like the way we got to it didn't feel like it was rewarding on the tensions that were built up by previous lore and previous seasons of the show. Yeah. Um, we're, we're essentially reiterating a point. Can we talk about Dave Filoni's space cowboy hat now? Sure. I thought it was just not hiding. (laughs) It's just like, it's like if you, if you don't know who he is, you're like, that's a cowboy hat. And if you do know what he's like, that's Dave Filoni. Yeah. He was, he was in the first season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a final no, I know he's coming back as the same character, but now you put a cowboy hat on him. Where I'm like, oh, come on, Dave. Um, <laughs> uh, I think that scene's really f- fun, and, and it's like Carson's just like, hey, hey, Mando, you know, like good work out there. And Mando's like, yeah, let's. I want to be a bounty hunter, but like for the good guys, I want to be a government bounty hunter. <laughs> I have to be man. honest with you. On the second <laughs> watch, on the second watch, it's no knock on the actor. I think these lines aren't very good. Yeah. Um, this is my least favorite performance from him sure. for Carson Tega. He's he's just kind of doing like her, very. Her, her. It's very hokey. Like it is. Um, NPC video game kind of dialogue where he's just like, ah, Mando. Oh, well, they're not going to like this if I run it up the chain. <laughs> I didn't say yes yet, Mando. <laughs> like I'm like, oh my god, this is like, are you a person anymore? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. No, he's an action figure now. It is. It is interesting that like <laughs> Mando's like basically looking at the camera. Don't worry, y'all. We're going back to basics. And then he goes to a cool little house on Navarro with his little frog eating. Well, I mean, kind of back to basics, but also like something that I do actually. So before we before we we talked before I watched these two episodes, honestly, I was done. I was kind of like, you know what, I. I was like, you know what? I kind of think I'm ready to just passively watch Mandalorian, not really engage with it in any meaningful way, not really do this show anymore. Just kind of passively, when I have the time, put it on and and engage with it that way, much like I do with other shows, which is that perfectly valid way to watch TV, by the way. And I just like, I just kind of, but like for whatever reason, at the end of this episode, I was like, you know, now that you're kind of leading into this, now that you're kind of putting him in the, like now that, the, the New Republican kind of, or Carson Tava can kind of like guide him through the Remnant Empire and put him through what we're going to start building to with the Mandover, with the Mando movie that's coming, like yes. weaving in with like Ahsoka and all that. I'm like, okay, now I actually, um, I don't like how you got here. Yeah, we lost Ben. Yeah, I looked down and he was gone. <laughs> um, I don't like how you got here, but I'm actually kind of really interested in the next. Phase, as Ryan said, the next phase. No, I am. I am one hundred percent too. Um, like I really like, and how much I have to assume Mando will deal with it. Like I know Ahsoka's doing Thrawn stuff, but I have to imagine Mando will still deal with the stuff they introduced in Mando. Like I don't want them to do the thing where you watch Mando next, watch the other show that's on. Like I don't want to have to do that, even though I will watch all of it. Um, yeah. I like the. I wanna. I hope like we get little arcs, like little Andor arcs of like we're dealing with this Imperial a, a guy, and then we're dealing with this version, and he deals with battle droids, and this lady she deals with like a crazy fighter pilot. Like that'd be fun to like go meet the game of all these different people. Yeah, um, actually, actually, I like that idea. Of, like now, he, now he's gonna be. We're gonna see him engage with the Shadow Council warlords, and we're gonna learn more about each, maybe each one as yeah. as Thrawn starts to be built up as this bigger threat. 100%. And then we get to know all those characters. Some can die, some can live, we'll, we'll flesh out. Again, maybe Thrawn won't be in it, but like Peleon can show up and be like, you know, don't make my boss mad. You know, something yeah. like that. So, like, you could do a lot of like heavy lifting. 
Uh, and it's still, you know, fun, fun uh, Imperial stuff. It's fun, you know, still the space fights, dog fights, you know, uh, Mandalorian fighting. You can do all the stuff that we love. Building to your big movie. You do Ahsoka at all. Like, it, it seems like a winner. It seems like a winner. I, I bet you, because I talked about this before, how... Uh, Range of the how it felt like Range of the New Republic was adopted into the Mandalorian. I think this next season might just have been Range of the New Republic. They 100%, 100%. just just it, they just put Din Djarin in Cara Dune's role now. And honestly, that's that's like again, I would have liked to have seen you know oh like a bunch of a, a pilot show that would have been really yeah. cool. But like like if they if they want to still use that idea and just like merge it over, like I think it might have. Messed up some of this season a little bit, but hey, episode seven, the Shadow Council is pretty cool, right? Um, yeah, I definitely felt it. Like it definitely felt like you're throwing some other shit into this one, but it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's yeah, not we're all. Gonna, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna jam in. We're gonna jam in as much as we possibly can to yeah. to make this next phase make sense. Eight episodes, Ugh. but don't worry about Jack Black and Lizzo's episode. That that I I that eight episode. I don't know. Maybe longer seasons. I, just don't, I, don't think that's a, I don't think that's the problem. Like you look back at like where, where we thought there were lulls in this season. And I'm like, if you filled that in with some of the stuff we've talked about that we wanted to see, yeah, I, I wouldn't feel the same. Like, yeah. I, I think it's just how you use the real estate. I don't think the amount of it was the problem Yeah, because I didn't feel that way about seasons one and two. I, I think that not that I would say like, Oh, having more episodes or having a longer season um, or two seasons would have been the issue. It's just like, uh, <sighs> it's always interesting to me, like how they, like when they're writing the episodes and like, I guess, I guess like all, I guess somebody pointed out to me, all the finales are, are kind of short on the shorter mm -hmm. side, but like half of these episodes are like 50 minutes long and the other half are like 30 or 40. I'm like, why is your finale like the shortest episode of the season? I just, I feel like you'd want to put all your, all your bags in that final episode instead of like, yeah. again, I like the episode, but like, why is like the Lizzo episode, like almost an, like, why are, why are these different things so much longer? I'm like, consistency is nice too. Like allow yourself, like oh, it, this this script is only thirty eight pages. Maybe make it more. Maybe make it more and cut down. Sparks is right. It's all about the real estate. I you know I talked about this with the Star Trek Picard season two. Like when you're just not you're just not using the real estate right, and you know these these. I get that we used to have longer seasons, but I don't know. Television used to just be better. I think maybe maybe it felt tighter when when prestige television was like first becoming a thing like this first that first season of stranger things which was like this big prestige television event thing a couple of only like eight episodes i believe very tight feeling season and maybe we just kind of forgot how to use that real estate no because i've watched two hbo hbo shows this year succession and the last of us and those are 10 episode seasons and i'm watching yellow jackets and that's a nine episode season but they're not written by John Favreau, are they? No, but I'm saying Prestige TV is still it still exists. It, like it's it's never gone anywhere. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not saying Prestige TV doesn't exist. I don't mean to say that at all. If, yeah. I, if that's what I accidentally said, poo 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 that because obviously Prestige Television isn't going anywhere. Um, I'm just saying that a lot. I, I think just my point is that a lot of writers who are writing Prestige Television, especially when it comes to streaming shows like Disney mm -hmm. Plus or not even HBO Max, because HBO Max, you know, we've talked about how good HBO Max content is. Apple TV Plus too. We're we're like there is an element of people who are writing stuff. I guess just for Disney Plus, just aren't using that real estate and paramount plus to an extent just aren't using that real estate as well as other network and john Favreau doesn't come from tv right he comes from movies so yeah. it's kind of so 
maybe that's the thing. I don't know. It, use the real estate better is really just my point. Yeah. It's just, I, yeah. I do wonder if something that might just be true is that John Favreau and Dave, Dave Filoni are just not actually good complementary partners um, in the sense that like when they write on something together and maybe like some of it is the amount of like expectation, I guess, but like really what was given to us in season one, season two, when Filoni was far more present in its creation. Right. So like, you're kind of getting this balance of things um, when it's left entirely to the writing of John Favreau with very little other influence from anyone. Um, his method is more direct and more bare bones. And uh, I, I think that, that's not necessarily a problem, but it stands out when it's not how the show starts. Yes. Like while the show had a simplistic form and like we've gotten more complex in sense of like the lore we're covering, um, it, it became a more direct, we're not getting as deep into what the characters are, um, are, are reflecting upon what the characters are going through as much. Like we're very much hitting like rushings. Um, and that, that might be part of it too, is just like, would a show that have, was written by John Favreau from the beginning feel as disjointed by the time we got to season three? Maybe not. Um, but because it had that deft extra hand in the writing room, now here we are, a season mostly written entirely by John Favreau, and it's not entirely uh, uh, palatable to what we were given before. And so when you get that feeling, um, I I just question if like maybe their writing styles just don't complement each other as well as we thought they might, or that they have to actually always be doing it in the same active way that they were doing it before for it to work. Yeah. Like definitely like Filoni is definitely more lower heavy. And, and you don't have to look far to know that that's true. No, yeah, I'm just yeah. saying like com compared to the two different types of storytellers there, like Favreau is more like, you know, it's like a, a bare bones, meat and potatoes, you know, here's like, and I don't mean that to, in a, a reductive way. That's yeah. just, that's, that's his style. And there's nothing wrong with that yeah, style, yeah. but it's not the style that I would say the season one and two only had, I do think it's there, but it's not the only sense uh, going through those seasons, Yeah, but it starts to become that here. I, I will be curious because uh, one of the biggest, we we, have, we barely talked about him as like a director, but he's also the new executive producer, like EP for the show. It's Rick Famuyiwa, and he's directed multiple episodes of the season. He's not writing the show, but he's just as involved uh, as Filoni for this season. He's doing all the interviews. Like he is like second, you know, like second dude running the show. And I would not be shocked if next season, because he's, he's full up in Disney's bag now, if he starts help writing that stuff. Because he is such a talented filmmaker, if he's allowed to have a little more input on the script, because his directing is flawless. He directed uh, uh, the dope spaceship episode. He directed the last two episodes. Like the dude's got the skill, right? He was gonna direct a Flash movie, and like he, now he's doing Disney stuff. Like it's funny how things turn out. Um, but like, what give that about? a shot. Don't don't let one guy write the entire thing unless his name is Baloney. Real quickly, hi Ben, welcome back. We're talking about the director of these last two episodes. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Um. I just wonder, I think Sparks is right, honestly, the, the two of them just aren't, I, you know, I've, you see interviews with the two of them and they're nerds and they'll nerd out and they'll have a good time and yeah, sure. But I do wonder if there's a sense that maybe Favreau, I don't know, there's, a, there's arguments that can be made for Filoni cares only about lore or Favreau only cares only about lore or, or Favreau just prefers bare bones or Filoni only cares about character. There's so many. There's so many examples that we can point to with where both is true. I just maybe you're right, Sparks. It's just they just don't quite jive together. And 
I'll put it this, se- this season kind of really exemplified that. I'll put it I'll put it another way. I think that the problem is that they do jive together very well, but they have to be consistent in 50, their way 50. in their amount that they're doing it like they were with the first season. Because the first season was like a massive hit, not even just with Star Wars fans, but with everybody. Oh yeah. And I think that the reason that happens is because John and Dave both love different things about star wars some sit the same and then some aspects are very different of what they love about star wars but because they work together they bring both of those like so when you watch the mandalorian season one it's like all of star wars is here yeah all all of the things you love about star wars are here in this first season like this is this is all star wars um and uh, you're you're maybe not like jiving with every little beat of it but like there's always something there that is speaking to the part of it that you love about star wars and i think that's also true mostly with season two and then i think we're getting to this point where like it's less and less true and it's like well if you like these specific things about star wars but maybe not so much if you like these things about star wars. like and and i don't think there's anything wrong with people having those those complex reactions to it of this is not treating me the to the things that i was favoring about it because it has now kind of shifted in the way that it's telling the story into a way where it's prioritizing the things that i'm less about in star wars and and not focusing on the things that i really jive with about so um all that to say that it does feel like the show was just set up and propped up by creative voices that now are out of balance, which makes mm. the show feel out yeah. of balance with itself. And um, again, I, I'm actually overall very positive with the season because there is so much here that is the things I want. There is so much that I do think is, is really wonderful and I love and I'm going to want to revisit and I think is great, but it's it's not necessarily... And it's not just expectation and it's not just like what I think the show should be, but just like, I don't feel I got the fulfilling character journey Mm -hmm. that I was being set up for or that I was getting before. And that's where I feel like kind of out of sync with where it all ended up. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we call it there then? I have, I have two questions. Um, One uh, would you want a spin-off season, just one season, about uh, Bo-Katan and Mandalore? I mean, yeah. Yeah, sure. I like Bo-Katan. Instead of, like, doing doing a book instead, of Bo-Katan? Instead of trying to shove it into whatever the Mandalorian's doing next, yeah. um, let it stand on its own, and actually, like, that's where we can get a lot of, like, how is Mandalore rebuilding itself now, and, like, let's really put Bo-Katan at the front, because I think Bo-Katan shines. I think Katie Sackhoff is incredible in this season, and, um, and I yeah. think, like, I want more of her, and I do want her at the forefront, and I think she is strong enough to carry a, a show about herself, and, like, if part of the advantage of moving... <clears throat> Din and Grogu back to basics essentially is to say that uh now Bo-Katan can like kind of do her own thing and the Mandalorians can have their own thing that that is what's going on yeah I'm personally all for that yeah uh I I I think it would be weird if we didn't right because this is my other question like do you think that we should see more of the Mandalorians in the fourth season like more of Mandalore stuff because to me to not touch it again would be weird. It, it'd be weird to bring Mandalore back and then we're not going to deal with all these characters at all now. Yeah. But the other end of it is like, I don't feel like you can bring back the focus to it consistently enough in another eight episode season of The Mandalorian for it to be rewarding. So yes. I do feel like you need that other path. What? Where do you guys feel about this? No, I'm 100, I'm 100% with that. Um, 
Because I do, we do need, they are building up to a Mandalorian movie and we know that's going to include Bo-Katan and all that stuff. So like, they can't just... Well, we can't say we can't say like a Mandalorian movie. We know it's a Mando verse. Mando, sorry, that's what I meant. But to like, say, but like, it's probably very much leaning towards Thrawn, right? Like, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we have reason to assume that that's about Thrawn, which yeah, means like how much Mandalorian stuff. Bo-Katan's definitely in it, but like, how much Mandalorian stuff is in that? Who knows? Dins in it. Yes, absolutely. That's but what, how much? How much? I'm sorry. I mean, Mandalore I know it's a Mando movie. I, I mean, know, Mandalore yeah. in the grand sense. Yes. How much Mandalore is in that movie? Um, I would have to say a lot because if you're going to build up Mandalore and not do a single thing with it. Then what are we doing? Right. What are we doing? I it, like it's like Thrawn has to get out. He has to get out of here. And I think the Mandalorians are like probably the only people who can take him on mm-hmm. uh, with the unite of of probably the New Republic, whoever's actually competent over there. You know, I could totally see that movie. I know this wasn't your question, but I could totally see that movie being uh, how Mandalore joins the New Republic, right? Like they, uh, the New Republic and Mandalore signed a treaty, and that's kind of that's where like the big space battle comes from. But in but more personal stakes, it's Din and Ahsoka fighting Thrawn. Yeah. Um, whereas we get the, I could see that. That'd be kind of cool. I would. Re- I'd like Bo-Katan. There's no really no reason why why I would be against something like what like what you're saying, Sparks. I want to say yes. I really, 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 really do. But we've been burned before by Book of Boba Fett. Well, that's not so, the point. Like, don't don't bring that to the table. Like, my purely focus on the point of like, really, Ben. Like, it's do you think that they should just drop the Mandalore stuff and focus only on Din and Grogu now, or do you feel like there needs to be more Mandalore stuff and more Bo-Katan stuff because like we just rebuilt it. No, I, I completely agree. I want that. Right. But I don't think they're going to do that. See, hmm. I this is why I asked it, because my fear is that the negative response to this season means that they don't. And yes. that they drop the Mandalores, the, like Mandalore and the Mandalorians almost entirely. And boy, is that not the reaction I want to it, because then you really make the season feel like a waste. Yeah. And a lot of the show. What? what? I mean, here, here's yeah, my what? thing. Because. Because of book, I want to say because Book of Boba Fett put a, such a sour taste in my mouth that like halfway through that season, it completely diverged from what that show was supposed to be 100% about. And now while I don't, now while if they do decide to do a series just about, they call it the, let's for argument's sake, they call it the Book of Bo-Katan, right? And if they do decide to do this and they do, they have to stay the course of this is about Bo-Katan and Mandalore, nothing else. They have to really nail that, nail that, um, nail that part. I want it. Like everything you said about how it's only going to be about Bo-Katan and the rebuilding of Mandalore, I want it. I want that so bad. But I just, I, I, I will, don't tr- at this point. I don't trust them. I, I will push back and say like, didn't Grogu can definitely show up in that show, and I'd have no problem with it because like it's it makes sense, right? It's like built into the landscape. Like. Yes, they can show up on Mandalore, and yes, they can talk to Bo-Katan. They are an important and influential part of why the culture reformed. That's entirely different from like them showing up yeah. in the Book of Boba Fett. Well, Not I'll that be... the show can suddenly become about them, but like Mandalore exists again in an established way, very keenly because of them. So like their appearance in the show would not hinder, I think, from telling a story about Bo-Katan and Mandalore. Also, Grogu needs to ride the Mythosaur. I will say that I will I will go even further and say that Din Din Djarin being in the book of Boba Fett is not the problem with that with that season. It's that they resolved the season two plotline in that show, and that it just became Din Din Jaren's show mm-hmm. when he showed up. Din actually being in that season, 
actually makes a little bit of sense because he owes Boba Fett a favor. Okay, we need we let's get let's get him here. That's fine. But the fact that it just became Din's show once he show up, that was yeah. the issue. Right. The ca- yeah. cam the cameo or not the cameo, but Din showing up, not the problem. The fact that they made a whole episode about Din, that's the problem. Do you because like Filoni made the Mandalorian, right? Like, like he he worked on Clone Wars, right? Rebel, like the Mandalorians are his jam. He didn't get to fully work on the the show that brought them back because he was working on Ahsoka. I wonder if that that bums him out a little bit, just a little bit, because like the Mandalorians were are his baby for um for like fifteen years now, and like he did have involvement in the season, but like not not as much as the others. And this was the big. Ever reclaim Mandalore season. I'm just wondering if he wasn't busy working on his dream show. <laughs> like, I think I, he care. Honestly, I think he cares more about Ahsoka than he does no, the that's Mandalorians. The thing. That, that's the thing, and I think that's the unfortunate thing of like, man, I just wish scheduling could have worked out a little bit better because, like, I I see the season with a little more little more love behind it, and I'm like, yeah, it's all the ingredients are there. He just burned it. Sparks, you said you had two questions. Oh, I asked them. I said that the second question was wrapped in like. Uh, do do you think that there is a window where they go forward, you know, without returning to Mandalore and all that? Mm. And, and how and would you I feel would. about it? These, these things were kind of connected to each other of like, you know, uh, where 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 does it lie? What is what is going to be the path forward? <sighs> that mythosaur needs I, to show up again. I fear. I'm sure it will eventually. Yeah. I, I fear. I fear the reaction that's like, you know, Last Jedi panic reaction or solo panic reaction where, okay, like this didn't jive with uh, so much of the audience that we now have to pivot entirely away from Mandalore um, and don't don't mention it again or don't don't heavily reference it for a while or whatever. And I'm like, that's so not like just because like this season was rocky does not mean I want to not see these things and these characters again. Don't be reactionary, you know. And to uh, go on, oh, sorry, real quick, nope. to go on Ryan's point about Dave Filoni coming back to the Mandalorian story, I hope he does. Because you guys were talking about how um, Mandalorians were one of Dave Filoni's many babies when he was doing Clone Wars and Rebels. And I'm like, I want him to return. I honestly do think this kind of bumps him out a little bit. He, I mean, yes, he had a hand in the season, but I feel like the Filoni touch wasn't there. And I know he can bring so much more to Mandalorians and I hope he does in the future. I really hope he does. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I just think he likes this. I think he's just happy doing his Ahsoka show. Right. I agree. It's, true. it's just like, it's like you have a child and then like, yo, like that's the greatest five. Well, cause, cause oh, Mandalorian. Can Sorry. I finish? Hold on. Uh, it's like, he's like, he has a five-year-old child. And then that teenager gets to grow up and he's a shithead. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. Because there's nothing you can do about it. Right, but Mandalorians aren't his, right? He didn't invent Mandalorians. But no, George of Lucas... course not. He didn't no, invent but... them, but he worked on those shows and he did all those characters and stuff. I'm sorry. I I don't... I Let's drop it then. Um, I wasn't saying that. Um, it's fine. Um, I will say, last thing, um, uh, the, we didn't talk about it a lot, but the Praetorian Guards, both times they show up, is really cool. Yes. It was a fantastic, uh, like, oh shit moment. And like, oh, it is tying into look at that. It is tie- everything's tying together. Um, do you think they're the same ones? No, well, they'd be pretty old. They're I don't know. I just want to say it. Aren't they, aren't they dead now? I have no idea. Maybe. Uh, different armor, too, which I like. It's like, like proto Praetorian Guard armor. Yeah, I, think yeah. They're, I think they're like an early version idea. I love it. Like, you I don't see know the sword. The ones that are getting. Like, oh, oh, oh. 
are they who are they who do those guys protect like who are they protecting like thrawn who? they're brendel's people yeah they're, the so Bre- they're okay they're, yeah. they're part of necromancer which makes yeah. sense because that's where you get snoke which is no yeah, yeah i'm just later. i just okay yeah, yeah. Cool, cool they are they are essentially like right the the next evolution between like we're getting to the praetorian guards we were calling these the praetorian guards but they are the next evolution from the red guys the, the red imperial guards that we saw before like this the yoda is the next, throws this is wall. the next step um for those guys so like I think we ne- I never got to see those guys fight enough. I want to see those guys fight some more. The the the, the, prequel, the prequel ones. Um Din's Din's the John Wick of Star Wars and I think that's great. When he's yep. doing his laser wall fight, I feel like that very much comes across. Yeah. Oh, and um Grogu does does a Din slide on his knees. It was really cute. Do we want to touch on sincerely do we want to touch on the Din Grogu thing? On which part? Which part? The whole thing? I mean, it's I I will I will say like, ends, I I fall in the same camp as many others I who have already made this guess which is that the reason it's Din Grogu is because putting Din first is maybe something from um, Jaren's original home planet and that that's why like his last names are still last names in Star Wars that's how we've come to know them but maybe his home planet had a different way of doing it sure. um, very. You know, like Japanese, usually the yeah. last name comes first, kind of thing. Sure, sure. And that could be why he's Din Grogu. I think the real answer is just that Grogu Jaren sounded terrible, and they were like, Din Grogu sounds better. Um, sure and, that. and that they can retroactively say, yeah, it's because this is how his home planet is. Because, like, we know that it's not a Mandalorian thing because we have House Vizsla, Clan Kree. Like, yeah. we know that's not how it works. So uh, it, it does feel like it's a specific to them kind of thing. Yeah. I just, it just went, when they said it, I just know everybody was like, oh. Well, because, it, it, you know, we're just used to last names being the way that they are, but I think, I, just I, I do think it's Mandalorian terms and every Mandalorian yeah, yeah. I've ever met has No, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. That's what I mean. Like, you know, we, we're used to how the last names are treated just in the Mandalorian way. And I do think it, it ultimately just stems from Grogu Jaren sounds weird. But the Star Wars names sound weird. Possibly. Um, all right, anything else? Um, you're handsome. Hmm. Anything sincerely in, in, uh, else? That was sincere. I don't believe you. It wasn't about Mandalorian, but it was sincere. I just Pedro Pascal needs to show his face at least once per season. I just think that if you're if you're not going to have it be Pedro Pascal, oh, also a uh, huge shout out that they're actually giving like uh, credit to the stunt guys in like the, in the opening credits. Because uh, those guys are actually the Mandalorian, <laughs> so it's really cool that they're actually getting credit. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. It sucks that it took this long, but uh, it's really nice. Um, Yo, know, man, let me see that pretty face, Pedro. Come on, come on, you can afford it. You don't need that extra money. So it does seem like Axe adopted Ragnar. Yeah, he's wearing a blue helmet. Um, he because he's wearing his colors now. Uh, his dad just died. <laughs> if that's the case, I do think like just as a tiny very subtle but like character arc of like the way that those two fought with each other and then they get to man like like they get to the the battle and like Vizsla is the one that gives Axe the like indication of the way out and, and Axe ultimately like saves them all by bringing the ship down one way up um and for him to then adopt Ragnar I'm like that's pretty cool that's pretty cool that's if that's what Axe did Axe is a pretty cool guy <laughs> uh the, the uh they painted uh a big, uh, a big mythosaur, mythosaur on the bottom of the Imperial that ship. Cool. That's cool. That was rad, especially that when is, that uh, is, that's it, a Thrawn move. Thrawn also has a Chimera painted on his uh, his Imperial ship. Some uh, people have it. said that this is how the prophecy 
comes true is that a mythosaur did rise in an over Mandalore and a new era began uh-huh. because it was the mythosaur symbol coming over okay. the planet. All right, and, uh, bringing in the new era, and I'm like, I'm cool with that. Sure. If that's the if that's the indication of a prophecy coming true, I'm fine with that. Returns are happening. They like renamed. Yeah, they renamed the ship the Mythosaur. <laughs> yeah, now that it's blown up. Um. Yeah. Mm, mm, people are mad uh, with the final like like zoom in, and I'm like, y'all are silly. Don't be silly. Come on, guys. I noticed a lot of fade, a lot of swipe, uh, uh, swipe transitions in this in those last two episodes. That I didn't notice before. I thought that was cool. I think I think this season in general, they've really kicked that up a notch. Um, Kick it up a notch. I didn't mind it. Uh, as someone pointed out, it was one of my favorite responses to like, what's the best shot in Star Wars? And someone did the C-3PO? shot where it's C three PO's head in the center of a circle and Padme's funeral, and I'm like, dang, that's pretty funny. There's uh, <laughs> there was a thread of like all of them, and I'm like, some of them. Oh yeah, some of them are pretty silly. Yeah, some of them are pretty good. Like if you catch it at just the right moment, it's like, oh, this is kind of weird and yeah, goofy. Yeah. Floating heads, gotta love it. I, yeah, I, I also have no problem. My only thing about it is that it further felt like this idea of like, and series finale, we're done. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. oh, that's kind of weird. Like that's my only thing about it. Like yeah. otherwise, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, again, like I, I love like where ha- I love where we are. I don't like how we got there. Unfortunately, um, yeah. it always bums me out watching a finale, and I'm like, thirty two minutes. <laughs> It is a little strange because, as Sparks was saying, that because like it, it like it zooms in and then it stops. But normally the normally the circle fade out is to the credits. You know the you know the quick like circle fade out credits and it's really exciting and da 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 da. And that was that they didn't do that. They just kind of like stuck on Grogu and then close and then credits. Yeah, changing it up. We don't, need a, we don't need a, a title crawl. All right. Uh, so I guess. Uh, oh, one last thought it? is just like in general, I do think, I don't know. I, I'm in a pretty positive place with the season overall. Um, I just like the big beats of what we were doing. Mm-hmm. But like, I do think my engagement with it in this last chunk was definitely affected by star wars celebration and me feeling like the future of star wars is pretty bright so there's no reason for me to get too down and upset about this oh sure um like i'm in a pretty positive place with just star wars in where we're going oh yeah in general so i'm like yeah yeah this this could have been like more than the the sum of its parts but i think that a lot of parts of it are very good Mm -hmm. it's unfortunately again like not incredible but like it's this wasn't obi-wan this wasn't boba fett so like you know i it could have it could have could have been better but like there's there's plenty of positives over the season that we talked about you're right it's not obi-wan or boba fett it's but it's not the mandalorian either like it's no (laughs) it's it i look i i've said it already beginning earlier i don't like season two very much i like i like parts of season two a lot more than i like this season so it makes this unfortunately the worst season for me oh um, I, I i i agree yeah um it just kind of for me the mandalorian has been on more of a steady decline than anything else sure. um with this one taking kind of a dive but oh well, well i'll see what i'll check out season four kind of like when axe brought that ship straight down into the imperial base you would say mm. that was pretty cool Ooh, ooh, that was the other thing. Ooh, TIE fighters dropping off the ceiling like oh, bats. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sick. That's that was cool. That was cool. The TIE interceptors. A, yeah. I love an Imperial on the ground base. I, I, you know, cool. honestly, like six to eight, visually, just yeah. the visual language of the episodes, a lot of good Clone Wars feeling yeah. in live action here. Yeah. A lot of good visual Clone Wars language, I think. 
Yeah. Yeah. I would, I mean, really, I would just say it's like, it's, it's there. I, I don't regret you can say watching it. Again. it. You can say it again. So you can say no, it. No, no, I'm not going to say it again. I'm, I'm just, it's, it's there. Um, yeah. Cool. Really, that's all I got to say about it. Yeah. If episode seven wasn't such a banger, I probably would, I'd probably feel lesser on the whole season. But like, knowing that, like, like, it is big setup stuff. And like, I hate that, that like, oh, my favorite part is the thing that's going to happen in the future. Uh, but like, it just, it, it, I think it's also just a really great scene and a great episode. Too, uh, so. We didn't really highlight this moment that much, but like the bit where Gideon's really talking his game to all the Mandos he's trapped in the room when he's got Din as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, saying like, oh, the suit is better because I'm in it. And he's very much like, Ken, Ken Napsok and Joseph Scrimshaw put it in a very good way where it's like this. I, I do think like the thematic idea of self versus the community is really cool and something again I, I just would have liked to have seen even more of but like getting in as this representation of entire focus on self and the mandalorians coming together as this idea of community strength mm-hmm. against each other is a really cool idea i really like when bo-katan makes the decision to use the dark saber to cut the hole in the back wall and get everyone out. Yes. Rather than go forward um, uh, in the rage at, at at Gideon, which ultimately leads to also Paz like backing her up and saying this is the way. I'm like, good shit. Just good shit. Yeah. I, yeah. I gave Paz too much shit earlier. He, he if he didn't die so badass, I'd hate him more. But he died like a cool guy. I also like honestly his speech really worked for me. His earnestness, like it, you gotta be, you gotta be like, you gotta have some growth in you to stand up there and say like I was wrong. Yeah, which is essentially what he does about Din. Is he stands up there and says I was wrong. Like they want to lead us into a better future for Mandalore. We should trust these this people. Is the way. This is the way. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Paz, Paz is okay in my book. Oh, and John Favreau didn't voice him this 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 season. That's true. We yeah. found that out. Um, uh, again, courtesy Force Center, Ken Nassaka, Joseph Scrimshaw. Um, Tate Fletcher, who's the body double for uh, Paz Vizsla, is also the voice for him this season. Who knows why? <laughs> but he is. Um, it's also the same voice in Boba Fett. It's not John Favreau and Boba Fett. At least it's not anymore, but I seem to remember him being the voice in Boba Fett. But I went back to the episode to watch it, and it's not John Favreau. And I was like, I could have sworn this was Favreau, but I guess it was, it was earlier. Too, but like, I definitely was hearing him very different here. Yes. I, and then like they said, the, oh yeah, it's Tate Fletcher now. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting. It, it definitely was at one point John Favreau. I just... This, I we're not Mandela affecting this, right? He definitely was in like that. He was. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely the voice of him at one point. That, yeah. I mean, the, the, that's even why they pointed out like he, now he's the voice of, yeah, yeah. of, uh, of him. Who knows? All right. Um, anything else? Nope. I think I've come up with every like loose little wrinkle I could have. Little wrinkles, just like little Grogu himself. All right. We'll let, let, we'll let a very sick Ben go to sleep. It's going to be great on your vacation now that you're sick. Uh, mask up, mask up. Um, not COVID. I texted you. You said it's not COVID. So no, congratulations right. on having just a very severe cold. If it was COVID, Ryan and I are in trouble. Ruh, ruh. <laughs> um, all right. So that's about to rise. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's it, guys. Um, that's it for the Mandalorian season three. Mandalorian season three is over, in which case, so is this Fake Nerds Watch series. Um, thank you for joining us. It was great fun. Uh, Ahsoka yeah. is August. August. Four months away? 
Yes. What month are we in? I took a guess. Four months. August. Yeah, four months. Yes. Cool. Four months. Love it. Love it. Why don't you just trust me? I know math. Um, I said it and I just put it out there. (laughs) I was hoping four was right. So I'm glad it was right. So yeah, probably, I guess, Ahsoka would be the next one. Um, I I don't anticipate another one in between, but who knows? Another Um, one. Fictions Watch series. Oh, Secret Invasion. June. It's in June. Yeah, June. It's in June. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Secret Invasion next. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and of course, the the around the time that you're listening to this, check out the other Fictions Watch series that's going on, which is also ending, which is Star Trek Picard season three. A uh, very very um, interesting moment, having the finale of season three of Picard, the finale of the series Picard, and my final episode with Cookie from Just a Little mm-hmm. Podcast. So, uh, big threes. Every 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 disaster comes in threes. Um, so you can check out that coming up, probably around the time this is out. Um, check out our Basement Arcade series, our Basement Arcade Pause Menu series. Our those are video game uh, series of very uh, various um, things. Um, you can check out our Figner Book Club series, our Animation Station series. Um, I was going to say real quick, if you want to hear us talk more Star Wars, keep an eye on the Animation Station space in the near future because we'll be talking Vision soon. Do 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 loop. And if you want more Star Wars from us, keep an eye on the pause menu space because soon the Jedi Fallen Order review will go up as a video there because it never did. So now it will because a video existed. Um, And that'll be there end of this month, just before the new game comes out. Which is next week. We recorded a video of that and didn't put it up? Yes. Really? Yes. Weird. Did the audio go up? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Weird. Um, so so stay tuned for that. Um, we'll, this was pre-pandemic, pre-streamyard. Oh. Uh, yes. So we were recording in with like the cameras, so I had to do far more editing oh, to sure, put it together. Sure, That's, sure. So it just it didn't happen. Got and it. now it'll be out. People will have the video. You could go back, hear our thoughts on Jedi Fallen Order before you hear our thoughts on Jedi Survivor in the near future. Yeah, that'll be in a couple months probably. Um so yeah, and of course the real score, our new show, the real score. Um, check that out. Um, uh, plenty of exciting shows happening. The real score is about film music. Um, so yeah, really excited about that one. It's getting a lot of traction. So check it out if you haven't already. Um, new episode of that coming soon. Um, I have a show, Conversation, which is out soon. I kind of messed up my recording, so it's a little delayed now because uh, I was terrible on them. And I'm going to redo it. Um, but the interview is great, and I, ho- and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, of course, our Fakner podcast series, a mothership show, Fakner podcast. If you've been going through the Mandalorian and you're like, who are these guys? I like these guys. Hey, we're on the Fakner podcast every Sunday. Um, or, live every Sunday at various times of the night. Um, maybe this next time early, but this isn't going out before Sunday, is it? No. No. Uh, so, so. Maybe, maybe I'm that good. So the latest episode uh, that we have discussed, we talked about Evil Dead Rise. Um, we talk about movies and video games and comic books and all sorts of all sorts of things, movie reviews, things like that. If you like, to, if you like to check out that show, um, this coming episode is we don't know. We, don't know. we, we haven't don't decided. Know. We'll have to talk about it. Um, but Ben won't be there, so we'll figure it out. Yeah, and Ben actually won't, won't have been on the on the last episode either. 
uh, a real quick note as well, because we brought them up a lot. I do want to shout out, you know, because they are, he is a friend of ours, like Ken Napsoth, Joseph Scrimshaw. They're over on Force Center podcast. If you want to go listen, they have them. Um, I think they have a very balanced, positive leaning, like good way to interpret like what's important about Star Wars, what's thematic about Star Wars, why you should value the things, even in the things that maybe you rub up against in Star Wars. Ken's very good at that. So is uh, his uh, podcast uh, partner uh, Joseph Scrimshaw. Sure. So I highly recommend. Like if you if you kind of want to like maybe see like how you can work through some of your mixed feelings on Mandalorian, maybe give them a shot. Go listen to their Mandalorian report over on their feed because uh, maybe you'll find some ways to digest some of this a little bit better. I think they're very good for it. Speculate responsibly. Love Ken. Um, he's he's hopefully going to be on a future episode of Conversation talking about Indiana Jones if I can make that work out. So. Um, yeah, his birthday was just as the time of this recording yesterday, but a couple of days ago, if you're listening to this later. Yeah. Uh, so happy birthday, Ken. Ben's, Brandon's just trying to get Indiana Jones on every single show this year. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> um, I did actually text Ben. Is there a way we could do Indiana Jones video games on pause menu? And I don't think there <laughs> he is. Did he did ask <laughs> only Only if the new one comes out this year. Which it won't. Uh, you know what? Who knows? It might. Um, no, you won't get animation. We don't even have a trailer station. for it yet. No way. I won't get animation station. You're right. We don't have a trailer for for uh, Spider Man Two. We only have the teaser. Yes, we do. But we don't have a new right. one, and it's coming out this Spider-Man year. Spider Man Two's Spider Man Two is coming out coming this out in the November. Oh no, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying, whatever doesn't matter. Um, all right, so check us out on our on our links below, our Patreon and our T Public. Uh, if you'd like to support us financially, Fakner Podcast on all the social medias, FakenerPodcast.com for a landing page for everything. Um, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for um, TBR.com, KaijuRamaMedia.com. Stay tuned on that space. Some exciting things happening there. And AtomicGeekdom.com where I write various things. Ben, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me apparently finding a cold and praying that I recover in time for my trip to Hawaii at BenMac27, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, GoNintendo.com, and playing Mary Frankenstein on D&Dark. Dark. Sparks. Uh, you can find me um, getting really excited, getting into them Jedi battle scars as I get ready for Jedi Survivor and listening to some DN Dark on the side at Sparks Witty on Instagram, Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. Ryan. You can find me also listening to that book, Jedi Battle Scars, prequel to Jedi Survivor, and possibly like one to two more audiobooks every single week because I'm just in a deep, dark Star Wars hole and it's easy uh, when you got a job where you listen to music for eight hours a day at DJ Tony Snark 616. Uh, all right, guys, and uh, make sure to like this video, subscribe to this channel, subscribe to us on all the places you find us. And until next time you see us, this is the way. This is the way. Wow. Wow.